Let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace, O Lord, this evening time. We thank you, Lord, because you are here in our midst. Lord, your word is above our soul. Your word is above our emotions. Your word is above, exalted above the heavens and the earth. And when you said where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in your midst. We don't have to feel it. We don't have to see it. We know you are here in our midst, Lord Jesus. And we glorify you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord Jesus. And Father, Lord, I pray that you through your Holy Spirit will reveal to us through your word and enlighten the word of God to us, O Lord, during this time. Oh, we thank you, Lord, because even as we sang, our eyes are turned on you, Lord Jesus. We look onto your wonderful face this evening time. And Father, we are not in the outer courts. We are in the most holy of holies right now, Master. Where we see the Father, we see the Son, and we see the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, reveal to us this evening time. O Master, reveal and enlighten the word to us, O Lord. And let it bear much fruit first unto us and unto those that we minister to with this word. Thank you, Lord Father. For you will carry this word to whoever needs to hear it. And let it be a a source of comfort during these times that we are living in. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Are you excited about the word today? Because I know you don't know the word, but you're excited. <laughs> good, good, good. The title of the word, the message is, Your Separation, God's Will. Your Separation is God's Will. And what's your separation? Your separation, today we'll study the mystery of the rapture. You know God's plan for you is ultimate separation. And the ultimate separation is the rapture of the church. And today we will study because the Lord has been uh, he's been talking to me about a couple of months and seasons. He's like, you people need to know that my plan for the church, my plan is not some Greek word, rapture. My plan is not some controversial doctrine. My plan has always been, since the foundation of the world, is separation. So if you don't like the word rapture, you can keep it on the side. But God loves the word separation. He wants to separate you. Do you agree? Do you believe that? How many of you want to be separated? Right? Not separated from each other, okay? <laughs> you are one, okay? You are one. When God has made you male and female, you are one. Interestingly, the other day the Holy Spirit was talking to me in one of the passages. He said, Jesus is talking about divorce. Right? And Jesus is talking this, I think it is in Matthew chapter, in one of these uh, Sermon on the Mount doctrines where he's really making it so tough. He, they thought that Je- Jesus is going to make, Jesus being so kind and generous and loving would make make things more easier for you. Right? I mean, you know, murder, you know, you physically, you know, murder, lust. He thought that he would bring the standards down. But Jesus goes up on this mountain and a lot of people, a lot of believers, a lot of preachers, they all stumble at this chapter, right? They, Jesus takes the standards of the law to a new level. He says, even if you look at a woman in lust, you're committed adultery. 
Even if you hate your brother, you have committed murder. Uh, he really pay, ramps it up because he's trying to tell them, you think you can get through this gate, right? You cannot get through the gate. Let me tell you how difficult the gate is. There is no one who can get through the gate. And finally, he closes with this huge verse. He says, be holy, even as I am holy. Wow. <laughs> it's like, I can understand, I can be holy compared to any other man. But what about the holiness standard of God himself? So he's like, he's like getting everybody to cry, uncle. <laughs> that was the whole point of Sermon on the Mount. He's like, everybody has to cry, uncle, I cannot get in. So he says, thank you. That's why I have come, right? And that was the point. But there he says, and I think he has a conversation with the Pharisees. And in one of the instances where he's trying to make the law very difficult, he said, is it lawful, they ask, the Pharisees ask, is it lawful to divorce your wife under any circumstance? In a, under any circumstance, this is their question because he's trying to make it. See, you, you, but Moses has told us that you can divorce your wife by giving a certificate of divorce, right? Now he's trying to use the law against Jesus. He's like, when, what do you mean? The, is the law not correct? Moses allowed you to give a di- certificate of divorce and uh, separate your wife, right? Doesn't the law say? What did Jesus say? No, he said from the beginning it was not so. Huge concept. But because of the hardness of your heart, he permitted it. That means the original plan was never that. From from beginning it was never so. What he's saying is it is not lawful to divorce your wife under any circumstances. So my goodness. So we, we look at it as such a tough one, right? So then they say, then it is good for a man, woman, man not to marry. The disciples say, right? You're like, man, you, then why marry? Because there is no, you, you cannot get out of this situation. Because Jesus was really not looking at a man's relationship with his wife. Think about this. This, my goodness, when the Holy Spirit showed me, it really touched me so much. I made it so difficult for a man to not divorce his wife, almost impossible, is for your benefit. Why? Because who is going to marry whom? You are the bride, I am the bridegroom. You are the guy who is going to always mess up. And God, has, the Father has made it impossible for me to ever divorce you. Is that good? I cannot under any circumstance, however evil you turn out in this relationship, I can never divorce you. Is that good? It's so good. Because, because the problem is never with the man in this relationship. The problem is with whom? With the bride. Because it was never about the man and his wife. It was always about bride, Jesus and his church. From the beginning it was not so. You are locked in brothers and sisters uh, with your husband Jesus Christ who is not legally allowed to divorce you. And that should give us great comfort. Isn't that good? It's interesting how we start off the message of separation with no separation. (laughs) But that's a plan. But separation was always God's will. Now I just proved to you that God never wants you to be separated from him. But yet, he wants to separate you from what? 
from the evil one. The effects of the evil one. The symptoms of the evil one. God's plan was always separation. Say separation. This is huge because there's been so much bad doctrine in the church. Because somehow the world can be a better class teacher than Jesus himself. It's like, it's like almost like Isaac can be brought up by Hagar better than what Sarah can do a good job. Like I brought Isaac through a word of promise, born out of Sarah, but let's give it under tutor, let's Hagar manage her. Will you ever do that? No. But exactly what we're trying to do. We allow the world, the enemy, all the things to... We learn lessons because of what happened, our experiences teach us. But God said, no, my plan was always separation. Then why are we in this world? If God's plan was always separation, why why are you in this world? Let's go to, I want to, I want to go to this famous chapter of separation to know what Jesus, God himself thinks about separation. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Verse 14. Everybody go to John chapter 17, verse 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Those are 14 to 19. John chapter 17, 14 to 19 are the most powerful verses about God's plan for separation for your life. His desire. Not what you think, not what you've read. Let's talk about God becoming a man and telling his desire. Look at, look at, and this is Jesus talking to the Father. And Jesus is talking direct, privately to his Father. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. You see a difference suddenly? They are, they are not of the world. By the way, Joseph, if you are not of the world, whose are you? Where are you from? Are you an alien? Yes. In fact, the Bible says you are an alien here. Correct? Where are you from? You're born of God. You're not even born of your biological parents because that Jotsna died. Remember we talked about it in the whole we need to get that foundation very clear. You are you are, your biological parents do not you know what happened to the person who was born of your biological parents? What happened to that person? Died. That person died. Correct? Is that person alive? What am I seeing in this room? Living people born from where? Born from God. But whose apartment are they living in? The dead man's apartment. You got the picture? You're living in that apartment, but that that's the body that you're living in. Because that part is still rented out. You're re- living in that rented space of the dead man. But you, the person you, was born from God. You got the picture? So you are not of the world. So you are not. You are an alien. Right? So, very interesting, you know. The Bible says, dust you are, from dust you came and dust you shall return, right? So, if you are not born again, when you die, where do you go? To the dust. But if you are born again, when you die, where do you go? To God. Why? That will be from. Wherever you are from, you return back to the place. So, the moment you are not born again, you go back to dust. But if you are born again, you go back to God. Because you came from God. When did he come from God? When? When? 
No, 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 no. <laughs> when you were born again. When you were born again is when you were born from God. When did that happen? Correct. But when did it actually happen? No. Correct. When Jesus was raised up, we were born from God. Because Jesus was born from God. The Bible says, today I have begotten you, the Father said to Jesus. Correct? When did that happen? No, begotten you. Today I have begotten you. When did God speak to Jesus? Today I have begotten you. No. When he was raised from the dead. Paul talks about it because it's a prophecy in Psalm. He said when he raised him from the dead, this is the way he raised. Remember when, when man was created first, God. how did God create man? Did he use words to create man? Very interesting. Did you notice every creation was made with words? Except man. Because the first man was not made with words. The first man was made with hands. Did you notice? The Bible says, I am going, Jesus said, destroy this temple made with hands, which is what the witnesses heard him talking. And I will, I will build a temple made without hands. Do you see two kinds of creation? One made with hands, one made without hands. Which is the temple that was made with hands? That was man. The first Adam was made with hands because God used hands to take the clay and form a man and then breathe into it. Correct? But the first Adam was made with hands. But made from dust. So came from dust, going back to dust. The second man, Jesus, after he died, when he was now born, remember he is a new creation now? Now, how did the father send him back to Joseph and Mary? No. How was he how was he born? By these words. He used words. He said, Today I have begotten you. That is the first time Jesus was begotten. See, before that he always existed from ever, correct? You all getting this? You know, Jesus never was born, remember? You and I were born. Jesus was never born. Make sense? Jesus, Jesus said, before Abraham was. I am. I never, I, I never had a beginning. That's Jesus because he was God. I never had a beginning. But did he have an end? Yes. Wow, that's huge. A God who did not have a beginning had an end for your sake. Because he took that death. And that became, he had an end. But so what happened? Then God ceased to exist. That was the plan. So Satan sought this opportunity. God had dying. And becoming sin. And that was like incredible opportunity. He, he jumped at that opportunity to destroy the heir, heir to the throne. What happened? Psalms 18 happened. You remember we said what happened on the cross? Psalms 18 when God the Father rode on a cherub, came down. Because remember we, we studied that. Oh, how many of you were there for the last, last message? It is done. um, remember what I told you why Jesus did not cry my God, my God, why have you forsaken me he did not cry at the beginning of his crucifixion 
he waited till the sixth hour, the third hour to the sixth hour, correct? At the sixth hour is when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you all remember that? I think it was some late during the message. I think it was the reason he cried out so late was because the moment he made a claim that God, why have you forsaken me? God the Father was obligated to come down and raise him up. So he waited till the price was completely paid. Then he made a claim on the fact that he's a blameless man paying a price and he said, my God, he renews the word father because he had lost the relationship because he had become sin. But he said, my God, you're my God. Why have you forsaken me? God had to come down. And the, what happened, we know on the cross, it's Psalms 18 and then 2 Samuel 20, 19 or 20, that's, that Psalm is repeated because it really shows what happened. You all should study what happened on the cross. God, the father comes down, raises him up from hell. That is why Jesus could then say it is finished. Remember? Because the resurrection had already happened on the cross in the spirit. The bodily resurrection only happened after how many days? Huh? Two days. It happened on the third day, but two days was the bodily resurrection. That's exactly where you are. You are born. You are born. Jesus was born. We were all born spiritually. Is our bodies resurrected yet? No. There's a gap between our spirit being resurrected and the body being resurrected. Do you see that gap? Exactly like Jesus. His spirit got resurrected and then his body. And the Bible knows what happened, right? He told the thief on the said, today you will be with me in paradise. He's not talking on the third day you will be with me in paradise. Did you notice that? Why? Because... Remember that thief's body was still on the cross that evening evening time, correct? That means what was with him in paradise that day? His spirit. How can he be resurrected and Jesus not be resurrected? Because when Jesus was resurrected, he was resurrected. In fact, this is that time there was a big earthquake and many graves were opened. Did you notice that? How were graves opened on the same day when Jesus died? How can graves open? Graves open means what's happening? Resurrection is happening. But the Bible says the bodies of the saints, they showed up when? After resurrection. Wow, look, you see the picture? The spirits got raised because Jesus raised. Jesus' spirit raised, the thief's spirit raised, all the first fruits in Israel, which was God was using a sampling of all the first fruits. So David, Jeremiah, Elisha, all the prophets, a lot of them, they all got raised as a sample, as a first fruit. Because remember, Jesus had to take a sample of the barley harvest, the first fruit, and go to the Father and say, Father, here is the first fruits of the resurrection. Don't worry, the great harvest is coming. Who is, who is the great harvest? You and me. But right now, the barley harvest. This is the first fruits. I'm coming. That is why this select group of uh, uh, saints resurrected and showed up in Jerusalem. Because not all of all were resurrected. It is the 144,000 that we see in the book of Revelation. You got the picture? 
Oh my goodness, there's been so much bad doctrine about the 144,000. We think it's like the super special people who are in the tribulation. No, they're just first fruits that was raised with Jesus. And they are with the Lamb. And they say they are clothed, they are perfect, in their mouth there is no deceit, and they are blameless before the Father's throne. Why are they kept there as a sample, Alkesh? For you to know that just like he, they are, so are we. You know, in every, every physical standards like a pound or a gallon, so that you, there's a standard, you know, in, in one of the national physical laboratories in the United States, in every country, they have a sample, which is an exact one pound, an exact one inch, exact scale. So there's a sample, so that everybody can say, hey, that's one pound. You got it? There's a physical sample somewhere in this country that is maintained in very high control temperature as a sample to say, this is the original. Everybody should be just like that. And that's why the 144,000 is. Okay. We are not even started. Okay. So, so let's talk about the separation. So the point is that we are, Jesus' plan is, I have given them your word and the word has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray. Look at the word. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. This is huge. I want you to underline these passages from John chapter 17 verses 14 to 19 and just underline it, highlight it, color it because you need to understand the power of that. I'll tell you why. You think rapture is the only benefit of separation? Separation means separation from every evil thing that the enemy can throw against you. Correct? Sickness, disease, uh, emotional turmoil, depression, uh, lack, destruction, loss, everything is you're being separated from. Say separated from. Separated. Correct. Let me ask you a question. If your spirit is already separated, right? Seated with heaven, he says, you need to be separated. See, the only challenges God has is you are in the world. Correct? So in the world, he wants to keep you separated. So that's what Jesus' words is. He says, I pray, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Because that's what, that's the easiest way to separate them. How's the easiest way to separate you? Take them out of the world. Correct? But that you should keep them from the evil one. What, what is Jesus' desire? That means you are in this, you are in Okay, that's, that's spiritual. But very, very plainly, you are in the world. Who is also in the world? Correct. So, while you are in the world, what does God, Jesus wants the Father to do? Keep them, separate them, that the evil one cannot touch us. Do you agree? So, when, where does he want this protection? Here or in heaven? Here. Why? In heaven, what is there? There is no evil one. Correct? So the separation and sanctification is here. Say here. here. The separation is here. Correct? So he says that's your authority and that's your right. So I do not pray that you shall take them out of the world, but you shall keep them. The word keep is a, is a military word. 
It doesn't mean like English word keep. Oh, you know, keep means keep them from the evil one means like uh, you are in you, you are in you are in you are in you are in a ditch and all the mud is on you and but let him not die. No, is that that's not the word of keep. He's saying, man, do not let the enemy touch them. Total total invisibility. You are like super. You are like aliens walking here on the earth. The enemy cannot touch you. He knows it. He 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 operates on the belief that you don't know it, and that's how he may causes stuff to happen to you. He he plays on the fact that you don't have that knowledge. Correct. So here, look at what he says. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not the world. Same, same. He says, I am not of the world. So where is Jesus right now? In the world or in heaven? In heaven. Where are you? Yeah, but you are here in the world also, correct? Correct? But he says, they are just like me. Just because they are in the world, they should get the same benefits of how I am protected from the evil one. Is Jesus protected from the evil one? Yes. Yes. How? What is the operative word? How is he separated from the evil one? Alexa, how is he operated? How is Jesus separated from the evil one? How is Jesus separated from the evil one right now? How is he? How? No, no, I'm not talking about sin, man. I'm just talking about separation. Just because you have no sin doesn't mean separation. I'm saying, is how is Jesus separated from G- uh, Satan right now? How? How is he separated? Just simple separation. Let me give you a clue. Far. Far. Above. You got the picture? There is a physical distance between Satan and Jesus right now. He is seated. That's why Jesus, Father gave Jesus a name above all names. He is far above. Say far above. Far above. That, he, Satan does not have access now to that place. Remember, he has been cast out. He had access before. Remember in Job's time, he had access to the very presence of God. He walked in and out. No more. You got it? That access has been lost. That's why the Bible says, now Jesus has a better name than he had before. See, he had a name. He was God. And what was Satan's desire? I, I, I will exalt my throne. Yeah, above. See, his desire was always to be above. But he had access. After Jesus' resurrection, the far above started showing up in the scripture. Because that was a new position that Jesus had that he never had before. He said, I have given you a name far above angels. That's Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 3. He's he's far above a high priest. He's far above an angel. He's far above everything. He's far above Melchizedek. Means he's like all the the best position is Jesus. You agree? So by physically being far above, he says that's the same position you have right now here on earth. While you are walking with 
in in the world you are seated far above you got the picture your spirit is seated far above in heavenly places you you somehow have to get this realization and walk in this picture that once you have that you can operate with that power you don't have to worry you can say no you cannot touch me i'm sorry you cannot touch me because i'm you are not even in the same place that's why jesus said Oh, this is very interesting. He said when the, when the disciples came and said they they were they were in your name they cast out demons. What was Jesus' response? Yeah, he said, "Do not rejoice. Do not rejoice that you have power over the evil spirits, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven." That means he's talking about your position is so high. Obviously, you have power over the enemy. You got the picture? That means he's saying, remember your names are written in heaven right now. And you are here. Okay, great. Let's look at quickly. They are not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Separate them by your truth. Your word is truth. Oh my goodness, this is so huge. He said, separate them by the fact that then this knowledge is available. Separate them by this knowledge, by this word. That Satan cannot touch them. That is why he fights you that. Because the word of separation is your inheritance, brothers and sisters. Separate them by your truth. Your word is truth. What word? No, that is very generic. Which specific word? Correct. We are far above. We are seated in heavenly places. We are as he is, so are we in this world. That, that word, he's saying we, we, that will keep us from the enemy. That word, you see the power of that word, of understanding that word in your mindset, that you are far above the principality, that separated word, that word of separation is important for you to stay unaffected by the enemy. You got the picture? Separate them by your word. What word? This word of far above word. Okay? Keep reading. As you have sent me in the world, so also I have sent them in your world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. There is your clue. Let me ask you a question. If this word sanctification is regarding sin, which is what a lot of preaching is done in the Bible, right? Oh, Sanctify yourself. Be holy. Holy. So they're saying, don't sin. Bottom line. Correct? Are they not saying that when they use the word sanctification means don't sin? Correct? That's how you read it and that's how you studied it. Let me ask you a question. When did Jesus stop sinning? He never started sinning. Why should he stop? So Jesus is saying, look at if the word sanctification is applied as to sin, then what Jesus is saying does not make any sense. Because Jesus is saying what? For their sake, I I sanctify myself. How, how did Jesus sanctify himself? Whoever answers this? Milu said, don't give any rewards, let them... <laughs> <laughs> no rewards. She's like, what are you doing dispensing rewards out there? <laughs> How did Jesus sanctify himself? No. Okay. 
I'm going to put people, all the Bible teachers in this place. Let's start with George. <laughs> all the top Bible teachers first, okay? Then we'll come to all the lemmings, okay? <laughs> come on, George. How did Jesus sanctify himself? He never had sin to begin with. So what was he sanctifying himself? For their sake. It is for their sake I am sanctifying myself. How did Jesus sanctify himself? No. So so he was unclean first and now he says I am clean, I am clean, I am clean. No. I just told you. By his position. See Jesus said it is for your benefit I am going away. Going away is what? Physically? Yes. So he's saying, so in other words, he's saying, it is for their sake, I am separating myself. The word sanctification is the same Greek word for separation. You got the picture? So Jesus said, for their sake, I am going to separate myself from where? From primarily from whom? From the evil one. How far am I going to separate myself from him? Far above. Far above. Because if I am separated, what? guess what happened? You are separated. You know, quantum theory says... <laughs> there are two particles that are separated by light years away. But this, what happens to one particle affects the state of the other particle... And the information travels faster than the speed of light. Did you know that? It's actually true. They have actually studied particles. So they change the state of this particle. And this particle changes exactly like that particle. The information travels instantly. That means it overrides Einstein's law of speed of light being the absolute maximum. You got the picture? That's because that's... That's how we are. What happens to Jesus is reflected right away here. He is far above Satan. You are far above Satan here. You are separated. Say separated. Separated. Oh wow. This is a good news. I separate myself. That's why Jesus Jesus for the longest time said, it is for your benefit I'm going away. I'm like, Jesus, no, sorry, just stay here. (laughs) He said, you don't understand. It is for your benefit. Because if I am far above, while you are operating here, you are far above. My goodness, look at power. You can walk into crazy territory and Satan cannot touch you. That's when the prophecy is fulfilled that the lion and the lamb will lie down together. What is that a picture of? Not the thousand year reign of Christ. That's not what is the picture of. That's your current reality. Who is the lion? Okay, when you want Jesus, you know. The lion and the lamb shall lie together. Who is the lion? The enemy. See, but let me ask you a question. The, the, the lion never had a problem to lie with the lamb. Who had the problem? The lamb. You got the picture? Who had the problem? The problem was always with the lamb. So when the Bible says a day is coming which we are 
after Jesus' resurrection, the lion and the lamb will lie down. What's changed? The lion has changed or the lamb has changed? The lamb has changed. Why is the lamb so confident to lie down next to the lion? Cannot touch me. Cannot touch me. He can see us. He can see you. He can see you, but he can he sees you in Christ. Remember the Bible says, we talked about this, the message of stay seated. He said in the African safari, the only way you're vulnerable is by standing up. So just breaking the silot. Right? Is that the right pronounce? Silat. Don't break the silat. Stay in Jesus. Do you notice? After resurrection, stay in Jesus shows up everywhere. Paul, Peter, Jude, James, everybody talks about this new position called in Jesus. How can you be in a man? But that's the picture we have. You got it? You are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It's for your separation. So separation is God's will right from the beginning. For their sake, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Let me ask you a question. What truth? This is so good. That they will be separated by the truth. What truth? George again. (laughs) (laughs) You are talking about 19th verse. And for their sake I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. What truth? By the truth, Milo? Yeah, the truth that Jesus is far above every principality power. That truth. That truth. When you speak it, when you know it, when you declare it, you are also separated. You got it? So that truth, by the fact that Jesus is sanctified. Jesus is physically far above. You got the picture? Therefore, put your eyes on Jesus. That's why, uh, uh, George, you were leading the worship. You're saying, turn your eyes on Jesus. Look into his fullness face. That's your revelation. You need to see that you are, you cannot be touched. That truth will keep you from the enemy. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay. And that was not even the message. So, but I want to talk about something very powerful today. Because it's still in line with separation. Right? Let's go to Songs chapter 2. Very few, very rarely do we go to Song of Solomon's, right? I'll show you the Song of Solomon's is a picture of separation. Let's go to Song of, Song of, Song of Songs chapter 2. How, how many of you are trending with what I'm talking about? Okay, Song of, Song of Solomon. It's also called the Song of Songs, right? Right? The original is also called Song of Songs. Yeah. The Greek title is Song of Songs. Okay. It says Song of Solomon. Uh, chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Song of Solomon, chapter 2. I want you to read it. This is very powerful. Remember, what are we, what are we talking today about? Separation. separation. And what, what about separation? Separation is good. God's plan. And what is the ultimate separation? The rapture. We are being separated in the rapture to be with Jesus for how long? Forever. Forever. Is that a good thing? 
Is that something that we should look forward to? Is this going to happen very soon? Yes. You got it? Okay. This Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 8 onwards is a picture of the rapture. Very clearly. I'm going to show it to you verse by verse. It's so beautiful. Once you see it, you will never not see it ever reading this. Okay? So stay with me as I read the whole thing. The voice of my beloved. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, he comes. Leaping on the mountains. Because when he comes the, for the church, how does he come? Midair. On the mountains. When he comes in vengeance, where does he come? On which hill? Mount of Olives. His feet touches Mount of Olives and Mount of Olives splits into two from east to west. Correct? And that's how he judges all the nations that are coming against Israel. That's why I'm going to talk about what's happening right now in Israel is getting ready for a sequence of end time events that's getting started. But for the church, for you, what's getting ready to happen? The separation is going to get happening. It's going to happen. Correct? So I'm going to teach you through the Holy Spirit break down as much as I can today you will just love it because you will get to understand what's happening to the church what's happening to Israel and what's going to happen to the world say the church Israel to the world okay so look at this this is for the church the voice of my beloved see because he comes with a shout behold he comes Leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind the wall. Because he is not going to be, he won't appear to who? The world. He is now coming, but he's standing behind the wall. Because only the church will see him. Hallelujah. Look at what he says. He's looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. That means, gazing through the lattice means he's, he can see. You can see him. He can see it. But nobody else can see him. You got the picture? Okay, keep reading. My beloved spoke and said to me, it's very personal. Every one of you will hear Jesus' voice specifically. It will be like, Josna, come up here. It's going to be very personal. Because just like Jesus after resurrection, he told Mary, it's going to be very specific. It'll be Manisha, come up here. You will hear with every fiber in your body. You will hear the voice of Jesus calling your name. That's why it's the voice of many waters. Because every so when that voice goes out, it'll sound like because he's calling a billion names right now. He's calling both the dead and the ones who are alive in Christ Jesus. He's going to call Alexa. Oh my goodness. When you hear that, you will be transformed in a tin. You won't have time to go back and say, George, George, we have to go. No. <laughs> you won't have time because everybody will hear the same time. 
It's going to happen. It's going to be a sound that will come from heaven. And it will be him. You know what? The beautiful part of the rapture is he doesn't send any angel to get you. Who comes? He himself comes to get you. Oh my goodness. For the rest, he says, go angel, go. Collect them and throw them in the trash. But to you, he himself comes. He himself comes. Himself comes. Okay. This is not even the best part. Keep reading. And look at how he addresses you. When you've been worried all these years, oh, have I done right? Have I sinned? Have I messed up? I did not do your work. I messed up. I sinned. I, uh, you had called me from a very childhood to do great things for you, but I did not do it. But how does Jesus address you? Okay, my beloved spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. He doesn't find any fault in you. He calls you my fair one. Why does he call you a fair one? You're washed. Who washed you? So if you are not fair, who did not do a good job? <laughs> hey, I washed that cloth, man. <laughs> I'm not going to call that dirty, right? That's my blood that washed him, right? So if, the, if you are dirty, it is his problem, right? Isn't that good? The voice says, my fair one. And we will all say, good for you, good for you, good job, Jesus. You washed me so good. And that's the, that's the best part. It's good for you, Jesus. That's so good. Keep reading. My fair one, and come away. Look at how he says, the season. Lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. That means the end time revival has finished. The rain. Which rain is this? The latter rain. The latter rain harvest has happened. That means this rapture is going to happen after the latter rain. Yes or no? Yes. Keep reading. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. Hallelujah. Everything. Earth is, earth is going to get revived. Because they are all waiting for Jesus and his bride. That's why in marriages we always have flowers. Did you notice that? However, any culture, there's always flowers during marriage. Why? Because it's a picture of Jesus and the bride and the earth bringing forth all the beauty. Because they are going to celebrate the marriage. Correct? Keep reading. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. Wow. Keep reading. Verse 13. The fig tree puts forth her green figs. When does green figs happen? It's the very first. Remember the, in the figs, what comes first? Leaves or figs? Figs. It's weird. The first thing that comes is figs. Then the leaves come. Who is the fig tree? Israel. See, see, Israel is starting to have figs. That means, see, remember Jesus had cursed the fig tree, the nation of Israel, which was the religious system and the temple and everything was destroyed because it's a picture. Because remember Jesus when he came and came into, this is so huge. Today you will just totally understand everything. Hopefully. 
Jesus walks into Jerusalem. He 30 years he's been living as a man perfectly. And then he officially shows up with his inspector clothes. And he says, time for audit. He walks into Jerusalem and says, do you have any fruit? See, he was always there. But now it is the day of visitation. He's checking. I have to now check you out. Where, where is the fruit? Do you have fruit or not? No, Jesus, you are very loving. No, I was your friend until today. Today, I am the judge. Why? Because I have been sent by by my father to check you out. Because once I check you out, I have to judge. Correct? Like for example, it's a mother saying to children, children, you all have been messing out too much. Daddy is coming. When daddy comes, he has to fix it. So, he's like, daddy is only coming at 4 o'clock. Till then we are going to freak out. Correct? But when daddy shows up, what happens? Daddy has seen stuff. Now daddy cannot but judge. So, so this is very classic. This is classic God. The, Sodom and Gomorrah has been sinning for a long time. Then God the Father, Jesus with the, it almost says three men, it's almost like God the Father, God the Son and the Holy Spirit shows up and says, "Uh, we've heard about Sodom and Gomorrah, we came down to see what we have heard is true or not, really? (laughs) This is God, why does he have to come down to check out what is true? What he's trying to say is, now that I see, I have to judge, as long as I don't see, I can dispense grace. But now that I see, I have to judge. You got the problem? That's why he delays coming. You, you, people always say, if Jesus is good, why doesn't he come? Why doesn't he judge? Because if he comes, he has to judge. That's why he doesn't want to come. He's like, I don't want to come. Paul used the same language. He tell, I think he told the Corinthian church, Y'all are messing up. Y'all are going to temple prostitutes. Y'all are doing all kinds of stuff. Better fix up everything before I come. <laughs> you know? It's like, once I come, I have a judge. So that's the picture. Jesus is like, I, I don't want to come. Because if I come, I have to judge. So, so he, he curses the fig tree. Because he says, now, you're, this, you're, you're, the fig tree was serving Israel for the longest time. It started in the Garden of Eden where they, it provided leaves to cover their shame. It's the same fig tree. It's the same righteousness from the law. See, anybody who sits under the fig tree in the Bible is always referred to, he's sitting under the law. Remember Jesus when he called Nathaniel? He said, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. Remember that? Because he's saying, I saw you searching the scriptures in the law for me. And Jesus said, here I am. And immediately said, you are the Messiah. You are the King of Israel. How did he know all this revelation? Because he was searching in the law for the Messiah. And he said, the Messiah has to be this. The moment he had revelation, Jesus shows up. Isn't that beautiful? Because fig tree was meant to be a picture of law. But the law's primary purpose is to bring them to Jesus Christ. Not to cover them with their own righteousness, with leaves. You got the picture? So Jesus causes a fig tree. But before the second coming, what's going to happen to Israel? 
No. <laughs> Israel will have the first signs of fruits. Do you know that during this last two years, there has been more Messianic Jews been coming to Jesus, more Jews been coming to Jesus than there has ever been in the history. The more Jews are accepting Jesus. And all what's happening right now, more and more Jews are calling upon the Lord Jesus Christ. More and more are seeing that their strength is not in their army and their intelligence and everything. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The first figs are starting to show up. And Jesus says, guys, now the figs are starting to show up. I have to go back to Israel. But before I go back to Israel, I will have to separate you. Because he has to turn back his attention. You know, why do you think Jesus has been good to the Gentiles? Can anybody answer that? Why were the Gentiles able to receive Jesus Christ all these years? What's that? The Bible says in uh, uh, Romans chapter 11... You were you are able to receive Jesus because they rejected them. See, if they would not have rejected Jesus, they, Jesus would have been the king of the Jews forever. And we would have been the unclean. We were the enemies. We would have been destroyed. But Jesus in his wisdom, God in his wisdom, he, he didn't cause them to reject him. But he caused all things to work together for his good. You got the picture? By rejecting Jesus, Jesus said, okay, I'll go to the Gentiles. Like Joseph, he was rejected by his brothers. Where did he go? To Egypt. And what did he become in Egypt? He had a name that was higher than any other name. That's the Bible says. He had a Zephrath Panaya. You know what is the main name? Zephrath Panaya means? <laughs> That's your boss? Jaya's <laughs> boss is uh, Zephrath Panaya? <laughs> Zippy, Zippy. <laughs> okay, Zephrath Panaya means savior of the world. See? Joseph had a name that was exactly the name that Jesus has right now in Egypt. So he became the savior of Egyptians. And then finally it was time for the brothers to show up. Then what? how did he show up to the brothers? What did he do? Huh? He was tough to the brothers. Did you notice that? There was a period of harshness. So Israel is going to get into a season of harshness. Because he's like, ah, you want to play games? I can play games. Right? You don't want to look to me? No problem. But I love you so much. So he makes it appear as being very tough on Israel. But finally, Jesus, can, the, Joseph could not restrain himself. What did he do? No. No. <laughs> Bobby's like straight away going to the cry. <laughs> so what did he do? He sent out all the Egyptians. Did you notice that word? He separated the Egyptians 
from the Israelites. What is that separation? The rapture. He closed the door and revealed one on one with whom? Israel. You got the picture? So the rapture of the church is necessary for Jesus to start dealing with Israel on one on one basis. You got the picture? He's now getting ready to close the door so that he can reveal himself to Israel. So they will look on him because there is going to, all the armies of the world are going to come against Jerusalem. You remember this attack of Hamas? What did the operation, what, what was it called? It was called Al-Aqsa Storm. What is Al-Aqsa? Al-Aqsa is the Temple Mount Mosque. It's all, they are calling it the storm of Jerusalem. Why? They are attacking Gaza, but they are calling it the storm of Jerusalem. Why? Because their goal is Jerusalem. And what part of Jerusalem? Al-Aqsa Mosque. What is Al-Aqsa Mosque? The Holy of Holies. That they want to go to get that. Because that's what all the armies out of the world are going to come against and attack Jerusalem to take over the Temple Mount. You got the picture? That's when the city will be taken. Say taken. Zechariah? It's going to be taken. They are going to occupy the city. Two thirds of the city will be occupied. One third will be left because God is saying that one third remnant I am going to show up on the Mount of Olives to fight for them. For the one third will call upon Jesus. For he says in that day I will pour out a spirit of supplication. You Have you noticed in all this war that's happening to Israel, they never have a spirit of supplication. Have you noticed that? You, many times we will say, uh, brother, uh, I, I, I minister to uh, Jewish friends, Jewish uh, people, and all the time. When, anytime when I talk, I say, the Mashiach will protect you. The Mashiach will cover you under your wings. They'll say, thank you. But they will never cry out to Mashiach. There is no spirit of supplication. They're like, we will win. We are one. We never had a nation, but we have a nation right now. And we will win. Why? Why? Because we, we, we are united. I'm sorry. What are the things that make for their peace? Jesus' words. Behold, you did not know the things that make for your shalom. Who is the one who makes for their shalom? Jesus. Not Elohim. It is Yahweh Yeshua. And he says, you will not see me again. He's talking about, he's talking about that audit happened that day when he walked into Jerusalem. He says, I came here for what reason? I came here to protect you. But you refused my protection. And therefore, until you call yourself, call for me. Because I cannot force my love on you. All day long, I stretched out my hands to a disobedient nation. Full day, full day, on that day on the cross, he stretched out his hands to Israel. He says, ask on me. I died with your title. I died as king of Israel. Man, I died as your 
substitute and yet you did not take delivery of the goods I paid for this I stretched out my hand and you rejected me now I won't come until you say blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahweh that means he, they have to say Yeshua is Yahweh and when that happens the moment he's a spirit of supplication they'll all cry and they will look on him in whom they are pierced and Jesus is going to show up on the Mount of Olives you know uh, geographically when they have analyzed the seismic uh, nature of the Mount of Olives there's a huge crack through Mount of Olives till today it is under that there's a fracture right now it's getting ready to get opened up and a river of life that is going to flow through the middle from the east to west from the temple exactly like Ezekiel had seen and Revelation chapter 22 is seen where King Jesus is going to be seated in Jerusalem with us as the saints and back sorry we are not going to go to heaven you are you're here guys <laughs> you are just moving from Texas to Jerusalem that's all you better know that direct flight fares right now It's a one-way ticket. If there, was only, if there was ever a one-way ticket, it was that one-way ticket. One-way ticket from all parts of the earth to Jerusalem. Are you getting ready? Are you excited? So you're getting ready? So let's look at, we are still at Solomon. I've got 25 pages of notes and we are still on the verse 1. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, keep reading. The fig trees put forth a green figs. Her vines with her tender grapes give a good smell. Rise my love, my fair one, and come away. He's calling you out. Look at how he ca- looks at the church. This is the church. Oh my dove. In the clefts of the rock. Where is the church right now? Inside Jesus, in the rock. Remember when Moses told God, show me, show me your glory. He said, here is a place by me, in the rock. And he put him in the rock. What is that rock? Jesus. Is that place by the Father? Yes. yes. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> where is that rock sitting right now? Next to the Father. And where are you? Inside him. Not next to him. Inside him. Does, does this beloved say the correct thing here? Read, oh my dove, in the clefts of the rock, that's where the church is, correct? So accurate. In the secret places of the cliff, because we are there in the secret place of Psalms 91. That's the secret place in Christ Jesus. Bobby, you asked that Satan cannot, cannot, he cannot see us, but he knows we are there. Okay, because I remember you saying Satan can't even see you. He cannot see you, because you, he sees Jesus. You are in the cleft of the rock. He sees Jesus, but he cannot see you, but he knows you are in. He knows yeah, there you go. Perfect. Okay. Correct. Keep reading. Let me, who is saying, let me see your face? Jesus is telling you. We were saying, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Jesus is saying, my goodness, I am waiting 2,000 years to see your face. Remember, he is betrothed to you. Do you know, do you know that? <laughs> do you know that? You are engaged to him? We are the church. Yeah, you are you're not married yet. 
the marriage is happening. That's exactly what happened to Joseph and Mary. Joseph was betrothed to Mary. And Joseph wanted to put Mary away. But the Holy Spirit, uh, Holy Spirit told him, no, don't do it. Because that's a picture of Jesus. Jesus is betrothed to the church. But we are not married yet. Because we, but we have the child, which is the child is the church. The church is the church which will be raptured. When the rapture happens, the church is physically born. When is the baby born? When it comes out of the womb or when it is conceived? When it is conceived. When is the baby born? When you are conceived. Because that's when your baby is born in the body, right? You're with a, when a woman has a baby in her womb, is the baby there? Is it born? Not come out, but is it born? It was in the body, correct? You got the picture? She is not given birth, but doesn't mean that the baby is not there. You got the picture? The baby is there. But the physical coming out is the, the birth. You got the picture? That's the rapture. So we are born, we are in the baby, but the baby is going to give birth. So we are betrothed to Jesus and we are still in the womb. But when we are given birth, which is, we are, we are birthed with this new body, we get married to Jesus Christ. You got a picture? That's the picture. So after, 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 you got the picture. Okay, keep reading. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. This is Jesus talking to the church, talking to you. Catch us the foxes and the little foxes that spoil the wine. For our wines have tender grapes. My beloved is mine and I am his. He feeds his flock among the lilies. He feeds the church among where? This is the flock of the lilies. This is the lilies. He feeds the flock. These are the lilies that he is talking you and me. Then look at verse 17. Until the day breaks. So the church is going to continue to be fed. The church is going to be continue to be ministered among the lilies. Until when? Until, until the day breaks. That means until it is morning. Just at morning. The shadows flee away. He's talking about the rapture. The day of the rapture. It's going to happen. It's going to happen while it is still dark, but just about to become morning, because that's when it's going to happen, okay? Turn my beloved, now he's talking, we are talking to Jesus, turn my beloved and be like a gazelle, or a young stag, upon the mountains of Bethar. How many of you will have concordances in your Bible? <laughs> There's a concordance in every Bible. <laughs> Those are called rich Bibles. <laughs> is there a is there a number next to the word Bether? And what does it say? Bether means separation <laughs> on the mountains of separation. Where does Jesus show up? On the mountains of separation. That's your rapture. You couldn't be any more clearer. He is going to separate us 
from the world. And thus we are going to be forever with him always. On the mountains of separation. He's coming, brothers and sisters. He's coming, son. Coming, son. Coming, son. Hallelujah. Okay, so I'm trying, I got the question here. I'm just trying to think about where can I take this? Because I'm like, <laughs> depends on how long you want to be here tonight. Because <laughs> I can, I can really, we can really go down and get you a full understanding of what's going on here, right? You want to get your sleeping bags. And talk about, I don't know about Alabama, but <laughs> because they have a time zone, right? They are on Eastern time zone. <laughs> so we are going to go, we can go really deep out here. But I, I want to go because I don't know by next time whether we will be here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Mila is like, <laughs> the mountains of separation can be, you know. No, we are, we are going to be here because the latter rain has still not happened. Correct? You agree? The low, winter is not past. Is the winter past? No. Is the latter rain happened? Not yet. So we know there is time. Okay, but this is beautiful. Okay. So let's let's look at separation. I'll, I'll address that question. We're going to talk about that specifically. Okay. Okay. Do you, so do you understand the picture of the uh, the separation is God's plan right from beginning? Okay. Let's go back to the very beginning. In Genesis chapter one verse three, God created the light. What are the first thing He did? What's that? He separated. You see the picture? The moment he created light, it said what? He separated light from the darkness. Separation was his first plan. He's like, you have to separate light from darkness. So that's the plan. So underline that. Right from beginning, it's light from darkness. So the evening and morning was the first day. The reason the evening and the morning was the first day was because of what? Because of separation. You got the picture? If there was no separation, there would not be a mo- evening and a morning. This the evening and a morning was because of separation. And it was the first day. Your first day is the fact that you are now separated from darkness. And that's why you are called sons of the day. You are forever in this uh, time called day. Which day? First day. You have never left first day. You are always in that day. Because the sun never sets on you. Who is your sun? Jesus Jesus Christ. If the sun never sets, when will it become night? George? That's deep man, deep. (laughs) If the sun never sets, when will it become night? Prasad? Never. So which day will you stay in? Day one. So you are in the day one of Genesis chapter one. You never changed out from that place. You got the picture? For you the sun never sets. The natural sun keeps going back and forth. Really it's not even the sun goes back and forth. It's the earth that is rotating. That's a different story. Now 
you know, astrologists may say it's not even the earth that is rotating, it is the earth and the sun that is rotating around the Milky Way. And somebody will say it is not they, it is the Milky Way that is rotating around the, you know, you know we don't know who is rotating around one, but, you know. We're in Christ, we don't care. We don't care. So, so, so we are in day one. Okay, separation, his idea from the very beginning, write it down. Okay. So let's go to what's happening right now. Genesis chapter 6, verse 13 to 14. Can somebody read that? Okay. So I'm going to read that again. Thank you, Jordan, for saying that. So look at, look at what he says. God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come for me, come before me, for the earth is filled with what? Violence. Violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of pitch, ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. So he said, when the end comes, what should you do? Get into the ark. How do you make the ark? Gopher wood. And you should do what with inside and outside? With pitch. And what is the word pitch in Hebrew? Do you know what the word pitch is? Say kapar. Kapar means atonement. Or mercy seat. Or ransom. That means your ark should be covered inside out with atonement. Who is this ark that is covered inside and outside with atonement? Jesus. That means you need to find yourself what? Inside Jesus. So when the end is coming, find what? Jesus. You got it? How is it applied to this day? I'm going to show you the verse in Hebrew. Can you read it in Hebrew? Elohim Lipne Heres. God, God before Harris. Harris is the earth. Vatahim was filled with Hamas. <laughs> See, when the end comes, look at what he says. Elohim, God before the earth. The earth, when the end came, the earth was filled with Hamas. Did you see that? Do you see here? This is the Hebrew word for violence is Hamas. So the Bible says during the end time, just like the days of Noah, the earth will be full of Hamas. You got the picture? So when that happens, what should you do? Find the ark. Do you see the picture? Jesus said his coming will be like the days of Noah because in the days of Noah the earth was full of what? Hamas of violence it's the same original word in the Arabic the same word is violence the earth that is why you are seeing every channel everything because it's getting ready for the times of the separation. Because now Noah is supposed to now get into the ark. You got the picture? There is, so th- there are main things. You see this all throughout. There are, Jesus says his coming will be like the days of Noah or the days of Lot 
and his coming. He calls all the three as comings. During the days of Noah, there was a door that was shut. In the days of Lot, there was a door that was shut. During the second coming of Jesus, there is going to be a door that is shut. It's how accurate that there is a door that is going to be shut. Remember, Jesus used that thing about uh, uh, 12, how many virgins? 10 virgins. Five foolish, five wise. And what happened to the foolish virgins? When they came, what happened? Door was shut. You got the picture? There's a door. And it's going to get shut. And who is going to get inside? Remember when Joseph had to reveal himself to Israelites, what did he do? Shut the door. You got it? You're going to get, it's getting ready for the door to be shut. Door to be shut to whom? Door to be shut to the Gentiles. Because the last station is coming up. You get in. Because the train is departing. You got the picture? There's a departure going to happen. When the departure happens, the Antichrist is going to be revealed. And Israel is going to have a tough time. And then Jesus is going to show up strong for Israel. And Israel will cop on Jesus. And Israel will be saved. So, both Jew and Gentile will be saved in Christ Jesus. You got the picture? So, so we are at this stage. We are in the time of Hamas. Okay, keep. let's go to this. I want you to go to... I want you to show, show you this timetable. Can you see this? Oh, sorry. I think the people on the video could not see the screen. Do you, do, you see, do you see, there is 6,000 years of man's lease. It's specified. So he's 6,000 years. So Adam to the giving of the law was 2,000 years. The giving of the law till the Messiah was 2,000 years. The, from the Messiah to the end is 2,000 years. When did the 2,000 years start? After Jesus' resurrection. After his birth or his resurrection? After his resurrection. Because when was the Messiah cut off? Just at the time of the resurrection, correct? Three days later, he rose again. So that time. So since that time, it has been 2,000 years. When does 2,000 years finish? Come on, tell me the date. 2032 or 33, correct? Depending on when Jesus came into Jerusalem. The Bible says, historically they say, Jesus came in April. He has the exact date. Oh, this is so powerful. Because God had prophesied exactly through Daniel, when would Jesus show up in Jerusalem? The same day. On the 10th of Nisan, Jesus shows up into Jerusalem, according to like Daniel said. Same day, same day, not even like a day later, same day. So you think he's so accurate in coming first? You think he's not going to show up on time the second time? He's not an Indian. (laughs) I think only the Indians will get the joke. We are notorious. 
We have a Jewish Messiah. He comes on time. He's always on time. So there is going to be 2,000 years. So AD 32, 33 is 2,000 years, correct? Are we close, brothers and sisters? Are we close? Because now what's going to happen is, this is the time of the Gentiles. Two days was what God gave the Gentiles. Because Jesus was rejected by Israel. So he says, guess what? After two days, I'm going to go two days, I'm going to stay with the Gentiles. Do you notice that? Okay. I want you to go to John chapter 3. Are you all, are you all happy? Are you all okay? Okay. Okay. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. So Jesus is ministering to the Samaritan woman. So is the Samaritan a Jew or a Gentile? Gentile. Gentile. Correct? See, apart from Jews, everybody else is a Gentile. Correct? So he's <laughs> very simple. There is no mixed uh, mixed uh, Jew and no. Either you are a Jew or a Gentile. That's why the Samaritan used that word. Correct? He said, you Jews, what do you have to do with me? You see the picture? He's saying Gentile. I'm a Gentile. What do you have to do with me? Jesus, while he was operating for Israel, reached out over the wall and gave him her crumbs. You got the picture? Such a beautiful, because it's a prophecy of Joseph. His bows will extend over the hedge. (laughs) That's so beautiful. It is the same place. Jesus comes at Jacob's wall, because the prophecy was about Jacob, that his bows will overextend into the Gentile territory. And exactly what happened, Jesus sat at the Jacob's well and is reached out to the Gentiles. Oh my goodness, everything in the Bible is about Jesus. And so so it's really about Gentiles? Yes or no? Okay, keep reading. Um, So, uh, verse 39. John chapter 4, verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. That's a picture of? This dispensation, dispensation, correct? The Gentiles are receiving Jesus, correct? Believed in him because of the word of the woman who had testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had came to him, they urged him to stay with him. And he stayed there two days. <laughs> he stayed there two days. Why is he staying two days? Because the th- 2,000 years is what? A day with the Lord is a thousand years. So two days is two thousand years. You got the picture? So for two thousand years, Jesus is with the Samaritans. Do you see the picture? Keep reading. And then he said to many, many, and many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said. For we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this indeed is Zeparath Panaya. Oh my goodness, same word. The savior of the world. (laughs) You cannot make this up. Joseph, same name. Because he became the savior of the world. To the Gentiles. Verse 43. Now, after two days, because he cannot wait, he has to go back. After two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. Because, look at the next verse. 
for Jesus himself testified a prophet has no honor in his own country oh my goodness so Jesus is getting ready to go back to his country that would not honor him yes sir but he has to go back because that's the plan because the father is saying Jesus time's up time's up you have to go back to Israel but before Jesus has to go back to Israel he has to come for what he has to come look behind the wall look at the church and he says guys come on come on come on come on we have to go we have to go let me take you and then I have to go back to Israel and we'll all cow down to Israel and celebrate at the same time no that's not the rapture no that's huge the rapture is we meeting Jesus in celebration oh this is huge are you ready there are two suppers one is marriage supper of the lamb the other supper is the the supper it's not even called the marriage it's called the supper of the great God you better watch out which supper you're going to because the supper of the great God is full of destruction and turmoil and blood because who is called to the second supper of the great God the birds of the air the everything to eat the bodies of the antichrist armies and of the world and God calls that supper you got the picture while the church is having what the marriage supper of the lamb do you see a separation there see there is always a separation you will see revelation and today I was studying my bible in revelation every chapter there is a separation there is what happens to the world what happens to the church what happens to the world? What happens to the church? And finally, he closes with this in Revelation chapter 21. He says, He who is holy, let him be holy still. He who is filthy, let him stay filthy still. Means what? Separate. Separate. Whoever is holy, let him be holy still. What does holiness mean? Separate. No, there is nothing called concentrate. Not concentrate. Means separate means just separated. Guys, don't mess it up. <laughs> if I, <laughs> this is not deep. If I keep rat poison in my attic, is the rat poison separated? Yes. Is it holy? No. Yes. See, that's it. You got it. That's what I'm trying to say. See, because we are so brainwashed with this word called holy. Holy means separated. Do you, do you, holy, separated, sanctified means the same thing. Actually, you separate the most filthy stuff most of the time. But in our case, we are not filthy. That's a different story. But, the rats are there. <laughs> That's a big problem with the rat poison. <laughs> you know, some of our rat poison, <laughs> like, in our pest control, we keep uh, uh, replenishing the food. I like, I don't, where are the food going? It's like the rats are seeming there. Like, hey, we didn't get the food this time. You know, it's like, we don't know. So that's so weird. So you got the thing of separation. So that's what we are getting right. Okay. So, so he came to Galilee. The Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he had done in Jerusalem. Okay. Do you want to see this picture? Do you want to see this two days? 
Okay, this is so powerful. Go to Lazarus. Do you know where Lazarus' story is? That's in John, right? John chapter... Lazarus raised from the dead. Okay. So Lazarus, Lazarus' story is a picture of Jesus and the rapture. It's so powerful. You see it, you cannot not see it. Jesus meets Martha where? Not in... Not where Lazarus is dead. He meets in a midway place away from where Lazarus was. It's very powerful because it's a picture of the rapture. He meets the dead in Christ with the living in Christ. He meets Mary and Martha, two people, in a place which is separated from where Lazarus was. So this is huge. Let's look at John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany. That's a picture of Israel. Right? And Israel is now dead. Get the picture? Israel has not accepted Jesus, it's dead. But Jesus loves Lazarus. Jesus loves Israel. Got the picture? But who is alive among his family? Mary and Martha. Because we are siblings of Israel. You got the picture? But Mary and Martha, one is dead alive, one is alive but both are alive in Christ Jesus but one is a picture of dead in Christ and the other is one one who remains, do you got a picture? okay uh, guys, are you all trading with me? okay, there are two kinds of believers right now one who is alive but dead, who is asleep in Christ Jesus, let me use the word asleep, so are they believers asleep in Christ Jesus right now? yes, but are they believers who, who are alive and alive in, right now? <laughs> who are they? Can I hear some noise? Us, we, who remain. Say, you remain. Does it say righteous remain? No. Who remain? Who will be caught up? The ones who are good will be caught up? No. The ones who are obedient will be caught up? No. Who is caught up? The ones who remain. <laughs> That means you filthy you, but you remain. (laughs) But I have to make that statement because I want you to get to it. The rapture is not contingent on how good you are. The rapture is contingent on the fact that you just remain. Look at the bar that God has set for you. It was the lowest bar. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> Do you remain, brother? Yes, brother. Then you're coming up. <laughs> Everybody is going up because you remain. Those who are alive and remain. That means if you can breathe <laughs> and you remain, you're going up. Because Jesus calls you fair and lovely. Do you got the picture of the rapture? Okay. So, so here is Lazarus who is dead. Israel is dead. Then there is Mary and Martha. Martha is... Who among Mary and Martha, who was more alive? Mary. Mary. You got the picture? But Martha was also alive, but... Mm, doctrine. Mm, <laughs> we, 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 we could get away. So there are two kinds of believers, you know? Correct? But both. But Jesus loved all the three. You got the picture? So, he is eventually coming 
to do what? To raise Lazarus from the dead. But he doesn't come to raise Israel from the dead. Israel has been dead. But Jesus is not showing up immediately to raise Jesus from the dead because he has an assignment. He has an assignment with whom? With the Gentiles. So look at what the passage is. Now a certain man was sick. G- Lazarus of Bethany. Bethany means Beth means house. Bethlehem, house of bread. Bethany means house of No. <laughs> Bethany means Bethany, house of honey. I love that. That was a good try. That was a good try. Bethany means Hananaya. Hananaya means grace. House of grace. So, Lazarus belongs to the house of grace. But she is dead. The town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with the fragrant oil and wiped her feet with her hair whose brother was sick. What did Mary do? Mary anointed Jesus with a very expensive uh, perfume. Yes or no? When did she do it? At just before his death. Correct? Because that... Oh, this is huge. I, I, I don't know where you're getting it. The, the church that ministers to the body of Jesus Christ with great wealth at the end of time is Mary. You got the picture? Because there is a generation. Remember we talked about the wealth transfer coming? And what is the church going to do with this wealth transfer? The, because when Mary poured out that ointment upon Jesus, what did everybody say? Oh, why, why are you wasting this money on the body of Jesus Christ? That's pretty much what they're saying. Why don't you give it to the poor? Because at the end time, the church of Jesus Christ who's alive, that's the only one. Mary's the only one who's alive. That's you and me. We are going to have so much wealth that is going to be given to us. What are you going to go out and do with this wealth? What are you going to do? Jesus is at the Father's right hand. What are you going to do with this? This? You are going to anoint the body. Say anoint the body. Who is the body? The church. So you are going to take very expensive a year's wages and take it and pour it even at the criticism of people that you should have given it to the poor. You should have held this charity and that charity. But you would say no. I know Jesus is coming. I'm going to pour out everything on the end time revival. I'm going to pour out right now. So what's going to get ready to happen? According to this, what's going to get getting ready to happen? The wealth transfer is going to happen. Mary apparently had money. How did the money come to Mary? How did she have so much money? Because she received it. For what purpose? To anoint the body, not Jesus. You have to get this concept. Jesus doesn't need your money. His body needs the body. His body needs the anointing. Because by the time Jesus comes back, you would be too late to do anything with the money that you have. That's what happened to the woman who came to the tomb with all their perfumes and stuff. What, what did they do? What could they do with it? They couldn't because it was already too late. 
He's already raised you up from the dead. So what are you going to do with this great wealth transfer that is going to come? Are you going to wait? Till the, oh, you had this wealth, you go up with Jesus, come back and say, Jesus, by the way, Jesus, I have all this money. Jesus, money? You should have used it for the end time to get people into the ark. You got the picture? Okay, keep reading. Therefore, sisters sent to him, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. Who... Who is this he who you love is sick? Israel. See, Israel is sick right now. Do you see Israel is sick? Does Israel need help? Do you see how desperate they are? Do they need help? And we are saying what? Jesus. He, Israel needs help. And what does Jesus do? Keep reading. Jesus heard this. He said, this sickness is not unto death. That means Israel is not going to be wiped out from the face of the earth. This sickness is not unto death. But the glory of God that the Son of Man will be glorified to it. Oh my goodness. He said this will be the reason why I will have great honor in the earth. When they see me fighting for them. And then I will get so much glory. Remember when the... See, God could easily would have released... Israel out of Egypt with one plague. Yes or no? Why did he wait 10 plagues to get them out? No. Yeah, he is merciful for maybe. Merciful to whom? He's trying to get Israel out. But for some reason he waited till 10 plagues are over. Why? He is trying to show himself strong. So for generations together they'll say, oh my goodness, the God of Israel did that. They say, man, don't give up, don't surrender. I have not yet dropped the atom bomb on them. <laughs> it's like, yeah. man, they have all these weapons. It's like God is so great that they have so much more weapons. Don't, don't, don't surrender. Let me bring also this. Let me also bring this. So God is like, man, I want to show myself strong for eternity. What I do for Israel at the end time will be greater than what I did for them than coming out of Egypt. I feel this by the Spirit of the Lord. In fact, Revelation covers chapters after chapters of double-clicking. Oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit just showed me so powerful. You remember he talked about the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven vials? The Holy Spirit said, Anil, it's all the same things, but it is double-clicking. So he finishes uh, six seals, and the seventh one is double-clicking to open up the seven trumpets and the seven six trumpets get over and the seven trumpet is double clicking and shows up so everything is boasting of God's power and judgment and pestilences because when grace was on the earth they would not receive the Lord Jesus Christ but when his judgments are on the earth the nations of the earth will learn righteousness the Bible says see we received Jesus because of judgments or because of grace? Grace. But the nations will learn righteousness by the judgments that come on the earth. In fact, uh, Revelation says, despite all the plagues, they would not repent. Forget about the world. After a thousand years, when Jesus has a perfect planet, he, uh, he, he has perfect stable. We rule, right? We are going to rule with him. We'll have 
territories over the earth will be governor of Carrollton, governor of Carrollton like a low deal. George, how much do you want to go? Come on, man, ask. Ask and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. You know, by the way, that verse, ask and I will give you the nations for inheritance, does not just apply to Jesus. It applies to you too. Because in the, in the thousand year reign of Christ, you can ask, Jesus, can I have Hawaii? <laughs> and Jesus says, okay, you've been faithful over less, I will make you a ruler over many. Because what are you going to do over Hawaii? What are you going to do over Hawaii? You're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, but who wants to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because there are many who are naturally born in the earth, but who are not born of God. How do we know that? So when Satan is released after a thousand years, they said he goes to the ends of the earth, to the same principality powers, like Gog and Magog, the same regions, and gathers an army as far as the sand of the sea. That means there are so many unbelieving believers, unbelieving fake believers. Like when Jesus was on the throne, they're like, oh yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, we'll do whatever you want to do. Because they are, they are professing, but they are not believing. So when the moment they had an opportunity, just like in the Garden of Eden, perfect climate, perfect environment, until the serpent showed up, the sin was not exposed. Just because the serpent showed up doesn't mean there was not a propensity to sin in them. Isn't that the picture? Serpent is just going back. Hey, let me tell you, these guys are not going to change just because you are perfect lost. You know, for the longest time the world says, if God is so good, why does he allow that? If God is so good, why does he know? That's why I will not believe in this great God. Okay. Give him a thousand years. Thousand years I will give you a perfect planet Perfect righteousness, perfect loss, perfect. You you sin, you die. <laughs> or you like perfect justice. But yet the nations don't learn and ask for Jesus. So when thousand years come, he gathers and he comes and attacks the same city that he wanted first, the beloved city, Jerusalem, the saints. You got the picture? I told you we're going to go through a lot of rabbit trails. Okay, but go back to Lazarus, okay? Now, 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 Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So this is the three pictures of Jesus. Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves Israel. Jesus loves the living church on the earth and the asleep church in Christ. He loves all the three. Say he loves. He loves. That he needs to be clear on it. Okay. Verse 6, when he heard that he was sick, who was sick? Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we, are trying to say, what we are trying to say is, we are not talking about everything is captured in this picture. What we are trying to say is the reason why he delayed to heal Israel. See, you remember we have studied this a long time. We are saying, why did he delay? Because it's a picture. He's going to wait two days. What is he doing during the two days? He's ministering to the Gentiles. You got the picture? So what he says? When he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Where where was he? With the Gentiles. Wherever he is, he's waiting there. He's saying he's just goofing around there. No. 
He's waiting because the Gentiles need to be saved. So, but in the meantime, what happens to Israel? Dies. And that's what happens. Remember, there's a verse in the Bible. It's very powerful. And Jesus said this parable. That's why I said we can go so many places. He said, he gave this parable. He said, there's a, a woman who goes to his unjust judge and he pleads for justice. And the unjust judge does not hear him. But she keeps going and going and going and going. Correct? And finally, he, he, he answers, he avenges. That's the word he says. He takes, avenges her. Avenges her, not because of her, but because of her persistent coming. Correct? That's a picture of Israel. Israel wants vengeance. Just like this woman. So he's asking, Lord, judge my people. But Israel wants vengeance without accepting Mashiach. Because if God has to judge Israel's enemies, God will also have to judge whom? Israel. See, Israel doesn't know that. Israel is saying, man, kill Hamas. God is like, I can't kill Hamas. But then what's going, what do I have to do? I have to judge you too. Why would I have to judge you? I don't want to judge you. You got this picture? But Israel is saying, I need vengeance. God says, I, I want to avenge. I want to avenge you. But if I avenge you, then I have to punish you. Because you are a murderer also. You hate your brother. I can't just do that. So then what he says, why don't you accept the final punishment? The Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you accept the final punishment? The Lord Jesus Christ. And then I cannot judge you. Why can I not judge you? I already judged my son. And then I can judge your enemies. You got the picture? So then Jesus makes this statement, which is very huge. He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let me ask you a question. If the church was here on the earth, how can Jesus make that statement? If the... Correct! Prasad, what happened? The church was already raptured. There is... What is faith? Faith for what? Faith for what? The context in that passage is what? Faith for vengeance. They, they give up. By the time Israel calls upon Jesus, they give up. And Jesus says, when I come, I'm going to come. Because I love Israel. But will I find faith on the earth? That means, will they believe that I would come and avenge them? That is why Zechariah says, when two-thirds of the city is destroyed, which is when Jesus shows up. It's almost like it is late. But then he shows up. Exactly what he said here. You got the picture? Do you, do you get in the whole picture of vengeance, justice, the uh, God's purpose with the Gentiles, God's purpose with the Jews? You got it? Okay, keep reading. When he heard that he stayed two more days in the place that he was. And then he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. There is, what does Judea mean? Back home. 
let us go to the Jews again. The word, the Jews comes from the same word, Judah. Let us go back to Judea again. Then the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. Because he said, the last time you were here, they wanted to kill you. Why are you going back? So Jesus makes this him, are there 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. He sees the light of the day. But if he walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. He says, he is going to come while it is still day. Look at what he says. Verse 11. Our friend Lazarus or Israel sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. The Bible says, Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 11. He says, if uh, if are if the Jews rejecting Jesus is salvation for the Gentiles, how much more they accepting Jesus? You want to see that verse? Yeah. So, so he says, the Jews rejecting Jesus is salvation for the Gentiles. They are accepting Jesus. Would What would happen? You want to know the answer? Okay. Go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Okay. For if they are being, if they are being cast away is the reconciling of the world. That means if the Jews were being cast away, it's been reconciling to the world. The world got reconciled because the Jews got cast away. Correct? What will their acceptance be? What happens if God accepts the Jews? No, no, no. It's a hint. During that time, during the time when Israel is going to be accepted by Jesus again, what's going to happen? Resurrection! Life from the dead is going to happen. Resurrection is going to happen because the Bible says, oh, go back to Daniel chapter 10. Go back to Daniel chapter 10. Do you go to Daniel chapter 10? Daniel chapter 12. Daniel, do you got Daniel chapter 12? At that time, Michael still stand up. Who is Michael? Archangel, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. That means there is one angel that guards and protects Israel. Why don't we have an angel who does that? It's a trick question. John? Why don't we have an angel that stands guard over us? Because we are in Christ Jesus. You got it? We have, we have ministry of angels, but we are protected. Remember, we are separated, but Israel is not. So, but God in his mercy has still assigned an angel that stands guard over Israel. You got the picture? So at that time, at the time of the great tribulation, during the time when Israel goes through this great difficulty, and I believe it's getting ready for Michael to stand up. Because if Michael doesn't just stand up on Monday and sit down, you know, the Bible says, that's a picture we have, you know, bad, it's bad, 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 and then Michael stands up and then sits down. No! <laughs> It's like the days in which Michael stood up means in the, in the days when Michael stood up to protect Israel. You got the picture? During that time, during that time, what's going to happen? Keep reading. 
There shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. The nation was formed after they have been led into captivity in 1948. Correct? Since that time, there has never been a time of trouble like when we saw this last week. My goodness, we are living in such prophetic times. Do you, do you get what you are seeing? This generation who is seeing the fig tree is getting ready for the mountains of Bethar. You see the picture? So, since there has been a nation, there has never been such trouble. Correct? But the Bible says this is not it. There is going to be a greater trouble for Israel. And Jesus calls that what? The abomination of desolation. You got the picture? So abomination of desolation means the great desolation. The worst desolation. The Bible says since Israel has rejected Jesus when he walked into Jerusalem. He said since you did not receive me. Since you did not know the time of my visitation. Because I had already prophesied to you. I told you in Daniel. From the issue of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. There shall be 69 weeks. Artaxerxes in 444 BC issued a decree to rebuild and restore Jerusalem. Exactly. 490 years later, exactly on AD 32, April 4th or something, Jesus walks into Jerusalem. Exactly. He had prophesied to the exact day. You got it? She said, you did not know the time of my visitation. See, your house is left to you. Desolate. You see the word? I want you to remember the word desolate. Do you remember desolate? Okay, repeat after me. Desolate. desolate. So, Israel is under how many desolations? Many. Where do you read that? Okay. Same chapter. Go down. Daniel chapter 12. Oh no, not here. Not here. Not here, but I'm going to read. But, let, but let's, let's go back to what's going to happen during the time when Michael stands up. What's going to happen? There'll be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that time, at that time, what's going to happen? Your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in this book. And many who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the ferment. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That means during the time when Michael stands up, there is going to be multiple events. One of the events is what? The rapture. Those who are in the dust of the earth will rise. During that season, a lot of things are going to happen. But one at that time. Does this match exactly what Paul said in Daniel chapter, in Romans chapter 11? Their acceptance will be what? Life from the death. You got the picture? Do you see that? Lining up. So when Israel gets ready to accept Jesus during that time, resurrection starts happening. Sorry, I'm spitting all all over. Holy man, it's all holy. It's all holy. (laughs) Just rain. Latter rain, man. Latter rain. It's called the latter message rain. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. Okay, let's talk about desolations. Because I want you to understand this. Let's go to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. So Daniel is, uh, Daniel chapter 9 verse 20. And while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord for my God, for the holy mountain of my God. So Daniel is making intercession for what? Very specific. Daniel is making intercession, praying for what? Guys, it's written like it's an open book, right? (laughs) It's telling you that he's praying for what? My God to stand up. (laughs) Jesus, Michael, please stand up. No, he's not praying for Michael to stand up. Let's read it again. Okay, let's go to English, English language. Okay, let's read it very simple. Because I want you to see how often we, when we study Bible, we totally run over it. Right? When we study the Bible, I would say, slow down. Go into first gear. You know, go really slow. Be like, like bump over every word. Right? Don't just run. You got the picture? Don't study Bible like, I don't want to use the word. Biological thing that happens. No. <laughs> Please, stop. Every word. Hang on. Let the Holy Spirit hover. Right? Stop sign everywhere. You got the picture? Now let's read it again with stop signs. Verse 20. Now while I was speaking... Praying and confessing. So that itself you know how to stop, right? He was not just praying. He was what what he was doing? Speaking. Speaking means he was decreeing. Second? Praying. Praying. Confessing. confessing. Correct? You don't do confessing of sin right now because you, you... Hey, by the way, the Holy Spirit the other day, he said, he's so powerful, man. I just, I never saw it. He said in Proverbs, he said, he who repeats a matter... Separates friends. Reading those numbers? Yes. And God said, Don't please repeat your sins to me. You will you you are going to separate my friendship. Because I don't remember your sins. Don't repeat a matter again and again. Don't repeat your sins to me every time. And Prabhupada says, Don't repeat it. You'll separate friends. So beautiful, right? I never thought 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 of thought about it like that. Somebody says, Why should I not confess my sins? Because I don't repeat the matter. We are friends. We are cool. He doesn't remember my sins. I don't. I, I remember the fact that he doesn't remember my sins. <laughs> there is no. You don't even confess your sins. You confess Jesus is Lord, and God raised him from the dead. That means you are saying because Jesus could not die for his own sins. Then how did he die? He died for your sins. That is your only one confession. He died once for all. Don't keep on confessing sins. Don't separate friends. This is the new covenant. Right? It's so good. Man, you're getting all these nuggets today. <laughs> is that good? But let's go back. So speaking, praying and confessing my sins. So you today will not confess sins. You will what? Speak and pray. Correct? Because confession of sins is already done. We are in Christ Jesus. And the sin of my people Israel. What is the sin of Israel? What is the sin of Israel? It's a singular word. You notice the word sin? Unbelief. Jordan, you are so perfect. Unbelief in what? Not the fact that they broke the law. Not that they were 
they were sexually immoral, nothing. The, the sin on not believing that the Lord is merciful to send himself to the earth and die for them. That's the sin that Daniel was confessing. And we like, we take the same passage of Daniel and say, Lord, we forgive because we did this. Oh, Lord, we forgive, we did this. And we like, bore God. It's like, man, what is this? Because you already are in Christ Jesus. So we need to know what we say. Okay, keep reading. Professing, confessing my supplication before the Lord, my God, for, for, for the holy mountain of my God. Which holy mountain is Daniel praying about? Mount, Mount, not, not Mount Zion. At that time, Mount Zion is where the church is. Remember? At that time, he's talking about Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, the Holy of Holies. Because at that time, the Holy of Holies was not there. The Temple was gone. Got it? Because they are in captivity. Babylonian kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar had taken all the artifacts, the ark, everything, completely. The items of the... So there was no... So he's praying because the temple is what they, they could get uh, atonement for. And if the temple is not there, how can they be atoned? Today we don't need a temple made with hands. Correct? We have a temple that is made without hands. Who is that temple? And us. The body. Okay. So, so it's, the prayer is very specific to that most holy place. Yes or no? So, uh, Daniel is praying. So, so, God sends Gabriel to give him understanding on what's going to happen to that mountain. Say yes. Yes. Keep reading. Verse 23. At the beginning of your supplication, the command went out. And I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved, therefore consider the matter and understand the vision. So, he's telling Daniel, consider the matter, understand the vision. He says, 70 weeks have been determined for your people and for your holy city to do six things. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So the mountain is covered. And this is the passage where he says when Jesus is going to come back. Read the picture. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. That's what happened. Nehemiah built the wall in troublesome times. Exactly what happened. Then, after sixty-two weeks, the Messiah will be cut off. That's what happened. The Messiah was cut off, but not for himself. That means he did not die for his own sins. He died for everybody. And the people, oh, this is huge. The people of the prince to come. There is a prince that is going to come. Who is this prince? Not Jesus. Why would the people of the prince to come destroy the city? There is a prince who is going to come. He's giving you a clue. His people destroy 
the first temple. Who destroyed the first temple? Uh, Sorry, the second temple. After, see, after Jesus died, the temple, that temple. Okay? So, when Jesus was here on the earth, was there a temple? Yes. He says, after that, the people of the prince to come shall destroy. Keep reading. And the people of the prince to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Because remember Jesus said, see the, the uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wish I would gather you under my wings, but you are not willing. willing. See your, your house is left to you desolate. He's talking about both the city and the temple. So, so the desolate, the house and the city the, sorry, the city and the temple both are going to become desolate. That means it's going to be destroyed. Who is going to destroy it? Correct. The Romans. Which Romans is the key? Remember the Roman Empire had eastern and western parts which got divided. You got the picture? The eastern uh, Romans was the Ottoman Empire. The whole Istanbul was the capital. Correct. The western side was Rome was the capital. They all divided. Remember the two legs of the Daniel's prophecy? They got divided, right? And then the eastern and the western, when they divided, I think they also got divided into another parts, finally. But this was the main division, the eastern and the western. The, the eastern side, the ones who are from Turkey, the Ottoman Empire, that side, that people are the ones who destroyed the temple. History proves it. Why is that important? Because the Bible says the prince who is to come is going to come from the same part of the Ottoman Empire, the same side, the Eastern Roman side. Guess what the Eastern Roman side looks like today? Who are the nations? Turkey. Iraq, Iran, Syria, uh, Lebanon. You got it? All Islamic countries. That is why in Micah, remember you saw the prophecy of Micah. In Micah he says, Ephrata of Jerusalem, Behold, out of you shall come a ruler that will shepherd my people Israel. Correct? Did that ruler come out of Ephrata of Jerusalem, Bethlehem? He did. Then he says, that ruler will Protect my people when the Assyrian treads in our land. Who is the Assyrian? It's going to be one from that same. Assyrian Empire was the same area where the Eastern Roman Empire was. So that's a clue. We think it is Putin, Russia coming down. No, it is most probably the same Islamic gang the ten nations that are gathered together, he, and the Bible says in Revelation that ten kings will give all their authority to this one Islamic leader, and he will come against, it doesn't say Islamic, but he says the same thing, he'll give this one guy and says, go! Because it is the same ancient hatred that you're seeing on the news today. It's interesting. This is so powerful. Just, I was telling Milo, when I was studying the passage today, the Lord said, go back and count the number of nations that Abraham gave, God gave Abraham the inheritance. He said, I give you the land of Canaan, 
and he names how many nations that he will overcome. Ten. Exactly, ten nations. Correct? Then, look at the war of Gog and Magog, the king that comes from the north, and he comes with all these nations to come to attack Israel at the end of time, which I believe, a lot of people don't not necessarily agree, but I believe, because it's very clear, it is the same war. The war against Jerusalem, coming with all the armies, the same war in Revelation, it's the same spirit, it's the same thing. It's the same spirit that comes up after thousand years after G- the enemy is on earth. Gog and Magog. It's the same principality. It's the same antichrist spirit. The northern king, Daniel says, he boasts greatly that he's a god. And he sits as god in the most holy place. And in the most holy place is the Al-Aqsa place. See, even today, they are fighting over the most holy place. So he comes, so this is again for you, not necessarily, you can go and study it. My, from all that is saying, it's an Assyrian, it's coming from the Eastern Roman Empire, it's most likely going to be out of somebody from Turkey or somebody who is going to come and collect the nations because it's the same Gog, Magog, Meshach, Tubal are all nations around the Turkey area. We we are thinking... uh, uh, Russia, but it's most likely the ancient nations were all around this place. But anyway, we don't have to worry about that. But but the point is, Gog and Magog count the number of nations that come along with him. How many? Yes. Ten is easy answer. Then, remember we talked about this war that we are seeing. The nations that are engaged in the war right now are Psalms 83. Psalms 83, the nations that are there are the same nations, Islamic nations. How many nations are mentioned there? Again, you see this ten nations. That there's the same spirit of ten nations that come against Israel. You got it? Okay, let's go quickly and then we'll close. Because I don't think we'll have time to cover all the rest. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it will be with a flood. And till the end of the war desolations are determined. See the word desolations? Does it say desolations as one or many? Plural. It's many. That means until the end of the war. End of which war? The war against Israel. The war against the final war. The war, the ongoing war to occupy Jerusalem. You got the picture? You occupy the holy place, correct? That final war. Remember, we are coming back to occupy the same city, the same place. After thousand years of reign of Christ, the battle is still over the same city and same place. Man, give a break. Take Texas. (laughs) Why? Because it's it's, it's the place, that's where his name is, that's where Jesus is, this, that's where redemption was bought, that's where the victory is, that's why it's called Golgotha, the place of the skull. Whose skull? Not Jesus' skull, Goliath's skull. <laughs> Whose skull was there under which he, he, he crushed his skull? Whose skull was it? Goliath's? 
When the name Golgotha, Goliath of God, same skull, same place. Because that's where he was. He had a head, head, uh, head fracture. He had PhD. Permanent head damage. You know, that's... No, but please. But, but that's what he had. That's exactly the places. You got the picture? Okay, keep reading. So until the end of the war, desolations are determined. And then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. And that's what the Antichrist is going to go do. When the Antichrist is going to be revealed after the rapture of the church, the order is very important. The Antichrist will not be revealed until the church is raptured. Okay, where is it written? How many of you know that? that how many of you know this fact that the Antichrist will not be revealed until the church is raptured? How many of you know it? How many of you have doubts about it? What's that? How many of you know that the Antichrist will not be revealed until the rapture of the church happens? Correct? It's good to know, correct? So, that, that is way. So, do you have 10 minutes? I'm going to show you that picture because I want you to get that picture very clear. Okay? So, but bottom line here, he says, until the end of the war, desolations are determined and he will confirm a covenant with many for one week. Okay? And in the middle of the week, he'll bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomina- in the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate. That the Antichrist will... See, remember, he has, he's doing a lot of desolations. Like, what happened last week was a desolation. Yes or no? So, there is going to be a final desolation. And God, Jesus refers to that desolation as called the abomination of desolation. That means the worst possible desolation. And what is the worst possible desolation? He says, Paul talks about it. He stands in the most holy place declaring himself as Mashiach. See, this is what the Holy Spirit was telling. He is telling me and he's telling, and uh, it told Paul. Paul, Paul writes it. He says, because they did not believe the coming of my just one, they will receive the coming of the lawless one. You got the picture? You will receive the coming of somebody. Because you did not receive the coming of the just one, God will send a delusion so powerful that they will receive the coming of the lawless one. You see the picture? It doesn't matter why I don't believe in the second coming of Jesus. I, I agree. You don't believe in it. But let me tell you, brother. I don't even call, call you a brother. Let me call you friend. You will believe in somebody's coming. The Bible says the whole world worship the beast. You know, the other day the Holy Spirit was telling me, he said, Anil, do you notice I never said that they offer offerings to the beast? They never uh, put an idol in their house and worship. The Bible says they worship the beast saying, who will make war with the beast? Just by saying God calls that worship. So powerful. You, you don't have to have an image of him in the house. You don't have to. Just by saying, oh my goodness, this guy is so powerful, man. God calls that they worship the beast. They exalted him by saying, 
who is like unto the beast, who will make war with him. That's why I'm saying when you see all what Hamas does and what all these guys do, don't say, oh my goodness, who will fight them? What are you doing? Don't worship. You don't have, you have, you have all authority and all power over the system of the Antichrist. You got the picture? Don't exalt saying, oh, how bad the situation is. Oh, how great these guys are. Oh my goodness, they are coming out from nowhere. Oh, they are all flying in and destroying people. Oh, look at the power they have. Stop worshipping! You got the picture? So, because you did not believe the coming of my just one, you will believe the coming of the lawless one. You got the picture? It's the two comings. So, the second coming... Remember, by the way, news article, I could show it to you, it's very powerful. Turkey is saying, let's go attack Jerusalem and destroy Israel because the, our Mahadi is going to show up. Who is the Mahadi? It is their Messiah. Who is this Mahadi going to show up? It's the Antichrist, the Islamic guy. Because they're going to show up and he is going to say that I am God. Mm-hmm. Mahdi is for them, it's like God. Yeah. You got it? Mm-hmm. We are talking about today. We are not talking about some history, somebody's history. We are talking about on news today. It's going to happen, right? We are living in these times. Okay, keep reading. And then he'll on the abomination, uh, he'll be the one who makes desolation. Even until the consumption which is determined is poured out on the desolator. That's the word in the original Greek. That means God saying, I'm going to allow him to play games until, remember he hardened Pharaoh's heart until he could destroy Pharaoh. So he's going to allow the Antichrist to prosper for a size. That's the exact word Daniel uses. He prospered for a season. Why? Because God is using him to bring glory to him so that Israel will not boast in their armies, in their intelligence, in their power, in their nuclear weapons, in their AI. They will look to Jesus Christ. And then, oh my goodness, the judgments, that's why the whole book of Revelation, every other page is like these judgments that flow, fall on, on the earth. First, the two witnesses. See, God never leaves a witness, never leaves Israel without a witness, even when the church is raptured. He's like, man, the church is gone. Who's going to preach the gospel? Guess who? The two witnesses. Who are the two witnesses? Why? Because they are the only two bodies God has kept protected. Because on the earth, spirits cannot share good news. Only human beings with human bodies are authorized to have dominion on the earth. So he preserved these two bodies in heaven. Because he wants to send them back to Israel. Because the Bible says, if I have to condemn somebody under the law, only by the mouth of two witnesses, I can condemn them. So before I can condemn them, I need to give them a witness. So God sends their greatest witness to Israel. Who are their greatest witness? The law and the prophets. Who is the greatest lawgiver? Moses. Who is the prophet? Elijah. So the two bodies God has preserved in heaven. You got the picture? The, the two bodies he's preserved in heaven because he's going to bring them back. 
to preach to Israel during that time and say, and what are they going to preach? Yeshua of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth is your Messiah. And when they hear that, they will turn. And then the Antichrist and his armies will kill them and the whole world will see it. Today what happens in the world, everybody can see it, right? TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, everybody, instantly. Everybody can see it because it had to happen. Apple phone had to be invented. Had to be. Not just for, the Bible says, this gospel shall be preached to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. So Apple phone had to be invented because the gospel has to be preached at the end of the world. And after, during COVID, the gospel just spread all over the world to the ends of the world through smartphones. You know, in India, there are more smartphones than there are people. Yeah, they carry two phones. One phone, two phones, there are more people. It's the whole world. In fact, it's called the world will grow as waters cover the sea. In fact, the, the videos are called streams, isn't it? Streaming, 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 because it's a prophetic fulfillment that the world shall grow. Because God wants to rush up and bring Jesus back for whom? Number one for you, and number two for? Israel. And now you know why Moses' body, God had to fight over. Why does God want Moses' body? For his end times. He wants to bring Moses back. Because they will not believe anybody else. But they will believe Moses. And how will they know that he is Moses? Because he does the exact same plagues that he did in Egypt. He does during that time. Same plagues. He turns water into blood. Frogs coming out. Locusts coming. Exactly the same place. The same place and, and also they have fire, uh, power to call fire from heaven. That is exactly like Elijah. Elijah brought fire from heaven. Elijah is going to show back. Remember, at every Passover, at every Passover event in a Jewish home, during the Passover, the last item they do is, they say, go to the door and see if Elijah is in the streets. Till today. Because they have been told that in the end time, Elijah is going to be in Israel. So one of the Passovers, they are going to celebrate Passover and they are going to send their children. And they say, children, go and see if Elijah is in the streets. And for the first time in the history of Israel, they will come back and say, Elijah, daddy, Elijah is in the streets. Man, everything is converging. Do you see the picture? You see the reason why Elijah had to go out up in his body? Because God cannot bring a spirit. The Bible is very clear. It's appointed for a man to die how many times? Once. There is no reincarnation. There is no second chance. It's appointed for man to die once. And then judgment. Yes, it's an abomination. That means if you are talking to dead spirits, God calls that abomination. 
if, if that is true, how did Jesus speak to Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration? Is it not unclean to speak to dead beings? Both were not dead because God had resurrected and kept them alive for the end time witness. And then the Antichrist kills both the prophets. Sorry, they also have to die. You know? And then after three days, exactly like what Jesus happened, because he's showing them that the power of resurrection, there are no more Sadducees in Israel after that event. Because they are going to see resurrection live on CNN, on Fox News, and Arut Sheva, in Jerusalem Post, on BBC. They will physically see these two prophets raised up and rising up in midair and going. They would have no excuse. Hallelujah. We are living in exciting times. But when, what, what about you? I want you to, and I'll close with this. This is huge. I want you to understand this. Because if you study these two books, and I, I don't have time to go. Actually, I, my whole Bible study today was mostly about these two books. The, you know, there is two epistles, which are epistles of the rapture separation. You know which book? First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. The, both, the, both the letters have been written for the express purpose to tell the church that they will not go through the wrath of both man and they will definitely not go through the wrath of God. Why will they go through the wrath of God? Because we, you have already experienced the wrath of God. Said, no brother, I have not experienced the wrath of God. You have! You died under that wrath. Do you forget that? Because when Jesus died, you died. That was the wrath of God, isn't it? Who? The wrath was already fulfilled. It is done. And that was the last message of our life team where he said, it is done. It's finished. The wrath has been finished. I have paid the price. Right? Tetelestai. Jordan, you're absolutely right. It's a legal word. It's stamped. So why would you face the wrath of God? So obviously the wrath that Thessalonians talks about is the wrath of what? Satan. So when Paul writes to Thessalonians, he says, guys, let nobody steal you of this joy. And say that you're going to go to the wrath of the Antichrist. Okay, I want you to, are you ready for this? I want you to go, I know it's late, but hey, what else do you have to do? Go to sleep. He's no work. He's no work. I'll sleep. Okay. But I want you to go through it because I love this. I, do you want, you want to, sh- I'll show you something which is so powerful. You will love this. Okay. Because you're going to hear a lot of preachings during this end time saying, when Israel is shaking, who should, who should be shaking? You also should be shaken. See, we have nothing to do with that shaking. You got the picture? Do you get the picture? You have nothing to do with that shaking because you are, you have, you are in a place that cannot be shaken. What is that place? John? In Christ. 
JR is like on the roll today. In Christ. In Christ cannot be shaken. You got the picture? Okay, let's go. Let's go quickly. Let's go to First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Just start First Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm just telling you, just study the whole First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, every chapter. And I'm going to do quick. I just Can you just hang with me? If you guys want to drink something, go ahead and drink. But I want to show you quickly so that when you study First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, you will totally understand it. This epistle is called, I am telling you, it should be called the epistle of separation. God is saying, God has planned from the beginning to separate you guys from evil. That is always the plan of God. And he's telling, he's writing these two books, the epistles, to confirm that. So he says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, the epistle of separation and holiness. So anytime you read the word holy, you should immediately say what? Separate. Okay? So Jesus delivers from the wrath to come. By the way, all the notes are going to be on the website. Okay? So you can just download it and meditate it. Now that you have a basis, you can go back and you'll understand when you read it. Because I don't have to explain all that. Because if you want, I can do a second session. But you can read it yourself. But just download all these books, notes, okay? Okay, Jesus delivers from the wrath to come. Very clear. First Thessalonians chapter 1. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we have to you. And how you turn to God from idols. He's talking about Gentiles. The Gentiles turn to God from idols. Correct? To serve the living and true God. Which we did. And wait. And what's our posture right now? And wait for his son from heaven. Whom he raised from the dead. Even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. See? You can be more clear. We are waiting for Jesus. Why? To escape. I, I don't know whether you like it or not. And a lot of preachers will say, Oh, you just escape. You just want to escape. You don't want to do the hard work. Yeah, you stay and do the hard work. I'm going. It's like, it's like, why? I mean, Jesus is saying you need to escape. You think you are greater than what he thinks? Even Jesus says, pray that you will escape. I'm telling you. And we are waiting for Jesus. He's not only delivered us from sin, but he wants to separate us from evil. You got the picture? Waiting us from the wrath to come. Because who is going to pour out his wrath in great anger? The dragon who's come down to earth. When does this dragon come down to earth? I'm saying, Satan is always on the earth. Yes. But he is in the heavenlies. I want you to get this picture. See, Satan does not have access to your domain. No, no. You don't understand. You have access to this domain. Man has access to this domain. So how does he operate in this world? Through man. But he is not satisfied with that. He wants to take possession of a man and do everything that God did through another man. You got the picture? Same, same. He wants to do the same thing what Jesus did. When God became a man, he wants to do that and have total domain on the earth. He uses that with a man that he called the prince. You got it? Who is the Antichrist? 
So that's the prince. So when he comes down on the earth, because that's what when he comes down means, not that Satan was never there, when he comes down, he's going to be very angry with the church. So he's going to be very angry and he will seek to persecute the church. So exactly like what happened. So God goes, sends his angels to Sodom and Gomorrah and to rescue Lot, correct? Because God says, what, what is the logic of Abraham? He says, Lord, uh, this is very powerful. There's this principle of separation that you will never forget. It says, uh, they, uh, I want you to read this, read this, read this. Okay, uh, Genesis chapter, don't, don't go there. Genesis chapter 18 verses 22. And then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Wow! See, God, Abraham knew the nature of God. And most of us Pentecostal preachers don't know this. Will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Wow! I would just sit on this for like months together. Wow. Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare for the 50 righteous that were in it? He said, he said forget about judging the wicked. You should leave the whole city. Because there are 50 righteous. Even though there is evil. But you cannot destroy Gaza. Because there is this one believer. That's a, that's a picture. You got the picture? Cannot. No, you cannot. How can you destroy the city? You got the picture? That kind of picture. You see how the, the challenge that God has, but God is willing. Because that's his nature. Then he keeps reading, reading, reading this. Far, far, look at the word he uses. Far be it from you to do such a thing as this. To slay the righteous with the wicked. Far be from you. This is not God talking. This is Abraham talking about God. And then he says, So the righteous shall be as the wicked, far be from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He says, The righteous and the wicked cannot be treated the same. So he goes to Sodom. The angels go. And you know the story. And I'm going to read it. So... So, this is so funny. This is so funny. This is bad revelation, right? So, Lot shuts the door for the angels and goes outside. So, who is protecting whom? <laughs> Look at his, his concept of separation. This is what flesh does to you. You think, I can protect the angels of God. So, he shuts the door. And stands outside and offers his daughters to be raped by the homosexuals in the city. Correct? That's what he's offering. He's offering that. He's even telling them, you know, my daughters have never known a man. Man, these guys are married. So what are their husbands doing? Because that's the culture. You see, because that's the culture we are living in right now. Do you see the picture? When nobody wants to get married, even if they want to get married, they don't want to have a, have relationships with the opposite. This one, you got the picture? That's 
perversion at that level. And there, the Lord goes and stands outside and he says, take my daughters, but spare them. So they said, what? You came to live here and you are becoming a judge? See, that's what I'm being influenced. You are in Sodom, but you have no credibility with the people. You know what? We need to, we need to be a witness to them. I agree, there is a line of witness that you witness with power, not witness with fear. You got it? So there was a level of credibility that he did not have. So he said, we will do worse with you than with them. And they started pressing against Lot. Let me ask you a question. Is Lot righteous? Yes. Hebrews says, righteous Lot. I don't care what you think about Lot. God calls him righteous because he's a believer. But when they press against Lot, the Bible says the angels opened the door and pulled him in. How? Softly, quietly or violently? That is the Greek word harpazo. Harpazo is a violent seizing away of the church. Why does God violently seize the church away? Yes, because somebody is getting ready to press against the church. And before they could know it, we are escaped. And the door is shut. You got the picture? So that's called separation. Now the door is shut. Now this is correct closing the door. Not the closing of the door that Lot was trying to do. So that's what is going to happen. The sudden seizing away of Lot. Same picture. Did you notice that when Noah went into the ark, the floods did not start immediately? The Bible says after how many days did the flood start? Seven days. Why? Because the door had to be shut and the seven year is the seven year for Israel. Where God is dealing and the mid, in the middle of the week is when the Antichrist breaks the treaty and calls, stands in the most holy place as showing himself God. But this one week is exactly seven days, exactly like in Noah's days. The Bible says when Noah went into the ark, the world did not know it until the floods came. Why? Why did the world know that Noah had got into the ark? No. Why did the world did not know that Noah had not gone into the ark? Why did the world not know? Correct. Because everything appeared normal. But somebody was missing. That's exactly what's going to happen. When they say peace and safety, sudden destruction happens. Correct? That means after the church goes, there will be a period of peace. And they will say, oh, what? these are the aliens. They took them. Remember, that's why this whole story about aliens. Right? That's what they, that's why you suddenly realize, see, suddenly all the secret documents are being released. Everything is revealed. Yeah, there are aliens. There are UFOs. What do you do? I mean, UFOs, they could, they, they could, today we reported. Like, during the last month, officially, they have recorded 200 and something instances of UFOs. Officially. Oh, nobody is even blinking an eye. Oh, UFOs. Yeah, they are there. Who are these UFOs? These are demonic spirits. Angels. 
that are manifesting in the end times. So they are going to, you know, good riddance. They took them all away. Good. We wanted to get rid of them. So good. See, now there is peace on the earth. Israel is peaceful. Everybody is fine. And then the drama starts. You got the picture? Exactly. When the, so the Bible says it will come as a snare on all the world. Jesus' words. It's come like a trap door. You know when the trap activates, there is no warning. You just suddenly activate. Tuck, and that's what happens. They would not know it when it happens. It's going to happen. The rapture is a violent seizing away of the church before the clock starts for Israel. You got the picture? Do you getting the picture? You understand why it needs to happen? Separation is part of God's plan because he's separating us from the pressing, from the evil one in the world. You got the picture? Same picture. You won't even understand it. It's the same door, same thing. Same consistent language. There is no confusion in this. Okay? Now go back to Thessalonians. Go back to Thessalonians. To deliver us from the wrath to come. First Thessalonians, that is chapter 1. Correct? Chapter 2. For you, brethren, become imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea and Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. So he's saying the Thessalonians, they are Gentiles. Correct? They said, they, you all suffered from your countrymen the same way that believers in Israel suffered from the Judeans. Got the picture? So he's saying, you all are suffering from your people the same way the churches in Israel, the Jews who became believers, are being persecuted by the Jews. Who was a classic picture? We saw that in the life of Paul. Paul was a Jew who became a Christian and then the Jews kept persecuting him. Were the believing Jews persecuting him or the unbelieving Jews persecuting him? Unbelieving. So you got the picture? Correct. So look at what uh, Paul writes to Thessalonians. Who killed both Jesus, Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men. He's talking about the natural Israel who is not a believer. He, they persecute the church of Jesus Christ. Got it? You, don't, you cannot sugarcoat it. You, are, you need to understand this. Jesus' own words. I am not, you say, no, this is being anti-Semite, anti-Jews. No, no, I don't care about what you say. You have to say what Jesus said. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stone and kill the prophets and those who are sent to you. Correct? So he says, whom have you not killed? Who is talking about? He's talking to Rome or he's talking to Jerusalem? No, because that is a city that denied, that killed, that crucified, not the believing Jews. You got the picture? The natural Jews. So they are the ones who bring tribulation on the churches for, for all the time. And in fact, I don't want to say anything more. But I'm saying is we need to understand that. Correct? Not the believing Jews. The unbelieving who have aligned with the kingdom of darkness. And you need to be aware of that. But, but God is clear on it. Okay, keep reading. Who kill both. They do not please God. See, they, this is very clear. God is not pleased with that. And are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. So as to always fill up the measure of sins. He says this cup is getting filled up. The cup of that nation is getting filled up. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. Look at the word wrath. 
what happened? Wrath had come upon the Jewish nation during when Paul was writing. How did that happen? The Romans destroyed Jerusalem and took them captive into all the nations. Did the wrath happen just like Jesus had prophesied? There. Paul is recording that. And he uses the word wrath as to refer to the wrath of God or the wrath of man. Wrath of man. Remember? Jesus said, this is what I want you to understand. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wish I would gather you as a hen gathers her chicks. Let me ask you a question. When does the hen gather her chicks? When somebody is trying to attack, like a a snake or an animal or something. So what the hen does? He gathers. So is the chicks afraid of the hen's wrath? No. So Jesus is saying, I'm, I have been sent to, how many, he says, how often? That means, how many times? That means when the Babylonians were trying to attack you, when the Midianites were trying to attack you, when the Egyptians were trying to attack you, now when the Romans are trying to attack you, tomorrow I can see it, the Nazis are going to attack you. Tomorrow, day after, after that I can see the uh, Arab nations are going to attack you. Then I can already see Hamas is going to attack you. Then Hezbollah is going to attack you. Then Turkey will attack you. Then Persia will attack you. Then finally the Antichrist will attack you. How often, Israel, I want you to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks. But you are not willing. He is trying to protect them from whose wrath? Correct. Why would God be angry with Israel? So like, this is the game that God is playing. He first beats you and then sends Jesus to stop you from beating. Like how dumb theology is that? I have been sent to protect you, but you are not willing. So the Gentiles are going to receive my protection because they are willing. You got that? The other day, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, in Ukraine, there was some talk about Ukraine and about the Jews there. He made a statement, which is very popular, very, very sad. And I totally understand it, you know. I totally understand it from a human standpoint. But from a biblical standpoint, I know where it is going. He said, he made a statement, and you can, you can Google it out. He said, God has not protected us in Europe. But he's, he's being very, from his standpoint, from his standpoint, is that a fact? Yes. But is that true? No. What is the problem with that statement? No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what about that statement is not right. The fact that God did not protect you in Israel, Europe, in a way it is correct. God did not protect them. Why? They were not willing. You got the picture? You see, there is that statement about that. But you are not willing to receive the protection. Because who is the one that God sent to protect you? Yeshua. So so that's what he's saying. So wrath has come upon them to the utmost. So you see this picture? Paul is talking exactly like what had happened. Okay, that is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, right? Keep reading. Then he says, uh, I sent Timothy to you Thessalonians because I wanted to establish you, encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions that you know that we... we see, because Paul was going through all these afflictions as a Jewish believer, right? And the Gentile church was like shocked. 
You're like, man, Paul is like a great apostle and he's suffering. Then what will that leave happen to us? You see the picture? Exactly what we say. Oh, that man of God is suffering. How can you escape persecution? You heard that logic? Paul is saying, oh, I know you will have bad doctrine. I sent Timothy to you right away because I want you to tell you we are up. I was appointed to it. But you are not. See, what the sufferings of Paul are not the sufferings for the church. Paul was very clear. He says, God has displayed us apostles. Who are, how many apostles? Twelve. Last of all. Last means what? That means after this, he will no, he'll no more make more examples of us. Last of all, he has made the disciple apostles as an example of that, you know what, these guys are going to pay the price for being a witness. That's last. He's not going to use it as a further testimony. So Paul says, have, I have been appointed. In fact, Jesus on his first encounter with Paul, he said, I will show you how much you have to suffer for my name's sake. He used the same word. Do you know you've read that? How many of you have you read that? Jesus at first contact in his vision with Paul, he said, I will show you how much you have to suffer. He never said that to any other Gentile believer. But a Gentile church will look at it and say, what we want to also be persecuted. Hey, you want to be persecuted? Go ahead and persecute it. Because there is glory in being accounted for the name of Christ. But you are not appointed to it. There's a difference, correct? And what Paul is saying, I want you to read it. Are you all ready? Are you all understanding what I'm trying to say? Okay, keep reading. So he said, I sent Timothy to you, fellow brother, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Because I don't want your faith to be shaken. He's like, man, if God cannot protect Paul, how can he protect us? Huge. So he says, but no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourself know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation. Just as it happened. And you know, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, that means I didn't, I, 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 I didn't know how you'll think about it. So what I did, I sent to know your faith, lest by any means, by some means, the tempter had tempted you, and our labor may be vain. The tempter would tempt them, saying what? You have to suffer also, because God cannot do a good job protecting you. The temptation to suffer tribulation. That's the seed. Once you have a doubt, then any junk that comes on your delivery, you will sign for. Once you know, when tribulation shows up, you don't have to take delivery, what is your option? The Bible says, Jesus says, now I quote back Jesus' word, sanctify them by the truth. See, if you know the truth, you will not sign up. Separate them by the truth. That they are not appointed to tribulation. They are not appointed to the wrath of man. Because I have paid the price. Wow. What, what, what powerful. Said that you will not sign up. But if you sign up, you will. Will you go to heaven? Sure. 
But Jesus is like, really? Why did you pay for it? I had already paid. What are you doing? Which card did you use? The black card. Discover card? <laughs> you better discover what I have paid for. <laughs> you are using discover because you have not discovered the truth. <laughs> you got the picture? You see the temptation to tribulate? Oh, we want to tribulate, Lord. For your sake, we want to tribulate. Abomination of all tribulation. You got the picture? What happens to Israel? Oh, we want to also suffer with Israel. Why? Jesus saying, I, therefore I am a blessing to you. Like when 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 Israel was in famine, was Egypt in famine? Yes. Israel was hungry. What, Egypt hungry? No. Why? Because Joseph was there. Did the famine come over the whole world? Yes. Did it affect the whole world? Yes. But who was hungry, who was not? But Egypt was not. Because what was in Egypt that was not in the rest of the world? Joseph. You got, you got the picture? And that's what our posture should be. Our posture, while this is happening, should be what? Marry, give in marriage, eat, build houses. Why? Because that's what God has called you to do. Not to be shaken during this time. Right? Because he wants you to prosper and increase and be in peace. You got it? Because your Joseph is in your midst. You got the picture? Don't be shaken. What's happening? That's the clock that is starting. But before the clock, oh, this is what I'm going to show you. Oh, before the Antichrist is revealed, you're going to be out. It's called the departure, the great departure. Oh, that verse that has been messed up, you will totally see the word departure in this. I'm going to read it to you. Okay? This is very good. Just hold on for the good part. See, some of the best parts in the life team happens after... You are so tired, you are given up and you want to go home and then the good part starts. <laughs> you are like tired, when, does, when will the animal stop? I want to go home, my kids are crying. I'm sorry, he who endures to the end will be saved. <laughs> oh my goodness, okay. First, so we are First Thessalonians chapter one. I explained First Thessalonians chapter two. I explained right. You are still talking about separation. So second second chapter of Thessalonians is separation from tribulation. Correct? Okay. Third chapter. Second First Thessalonians chapter three. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love towards one another and to all, just as you do also. He's saying, hey, y'all guys love each other. I know already that. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Oh, when you read that, you just wiped past in your Ferrari and never stopped. Blameless in holiness? What does that mean? Correct. You're blameless by separation. That means... The fact that you will not suffer tribulation is a sign that you are blameless. 
God wants, see, the church is very good at loving. But Paul's desire is that they will be blameless in holiness. That means nobody can look at them and say, how come they... See, remember when Israel was in Egypt, they were in a place called Goshen. Goshen means draw near. Because they were drawn near, look at the word. It, it references separation or, or proximity. The opposite of separation, correct? So they were close to whom? And separated from whom? Evil one. What happened to them in Goshen? They were blameless in holiness. Let me question. Were there more idol, idolaters in Israel at that point of time? Yes. Were there sexually immoral in Israel? Yes. We know everything came out, right? At Mount Sinai? Everything, everything came out. The house, all the hidden linen and junk and everything. Out for full display. Correct? Right? Everything came out. But so, so something changed during that? They were the same. But what was different about them? They were blameless. God would not put blame on them. Because they were holy. Rat poison in the attic. <laughs> I like that picture. You can't be worse than rat poison, right? You're rat poison in holy. So the, the hail did not fall on the rat poison. The fire did not fall on the rat poison. Because they are holy. So God, Paul is writing to the Thessalonians... Be blameless in holiness. My goodness, you study Thessalonians with the picture, the epistle of separation. Oh my goodness, keep reading. Before our God and our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. See, it's very clear. This holiness will fully get manifested at his coming. Because he's not talking about his lifestyle. He's saying you'll be blameless and holy at the coming, because Jesus is going to come to separate you, once for all. Alexa, you had a question? Oh, which verse? <laughs> okay. We are at First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. Okay? So, we are in chapter 3, and shows about separation. Correct? Okay, let's go to chapter 4. Finally, then, my brethren, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4. Finally, then, my brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. While this is going on, abound more and more. That should be a mandate to the church. Just as you received from us, how you ought to walk and please God. For you know the commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the picture. For this is the will of God, your sanctification or your separation, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each one should know how to possess his own weapon in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. No one should take advantage. So he says, this is the will of God, your separation, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Very powerful verse. Because remember, when the Gentiles became believers... They, God, they were, the Jews wanted to make them keep the whole law. Then the Holy Spirit told them, don't have to keep the whole law. Just do these four essential things. Four, say four essential. So that they will be separated in this world. That means they will not suffer what the world suffers. Right? This is the Holy Spirit's plan. 
You will say, no, no, but I don't care. I'm a believer. I'm righteous. Nothing should happen to me. Yeah. But if you have sexual immorality, you're going to suffer with the world. And the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to suffer with the world. What suffer? Not the wrath of God. The junk of the world. You got it? Like for example, he who joins himself to a prostitute becomes one with the prostitute. So whatever the evil the prostitute wanted to have, you start going to partake it as an inheritance. Though you are a believer. So the Holy Spirit is in you. But he cannot do the job of separation because you are not doing the four essential things. And what are the four essential things? He says, first, don't abstain from sexual immorality. Okay? Second, he says, don't idols. Idols, don't have idols because you are going to partake of fellowship with these demons. Correct? Because he just doesn't want you to suffer. You don't want to suffer from this demonic thing. Correct? Two. Number three, don't eat food strangled. That means which has blood in it. Don't drink animals with blood in it. Stay away from blood. He said, but I don't understand. It's no problem. You no problem. But hey, the Holy Spirit is saying it is good. That you will be separated from the bad diseases that are coming on the world. Because you have not drunk blood. It's good. In fact, a lot of the Jews do not suffer a lot of the diseases that the rest of the population has because they avoid eating meat with blood in it. It's a fact. It's a known fact. But I'm saying is, I, the Holy Spirit wants you to be separated from the tribulations of the world. You got the picture? It's the whole point of separation. For he says, this is the will of God, your separation. That you do this. Right in the middle of the rapture message. He throws in this because he wants to tell you that I don't know. I, I not only want you to be out of this ha- place by rapture, but while you're here, follow these four things, please. You got it? You got it? Okay. Don't reject this. Therefore, he who rejects it does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. See, he quotes the Holy Spirit here. Because this was the Holy Spirit's instruction in Acts chapter 13. Or 14 or 15, the Jerusalem decree, you can reference it. It's a very simple letter. It says, by the way, just do these four things and everything is good. Farewell. (laughs) It's like, when the Gentiles got this letter from Jerusalem, they were so happy. Because they they were ready to go and keep the law. Because they loved Jesus so much. But when they said, that's it. Only these four items? Who oh, will do this? And they was rejoiced. I'll, four, four items. Just take this four and just do it. Okay? That's fine. Then you will not be affected by what happens in the world. Man, I will take this. How many of you will take that? Just four items. Just stay away from this. Is it too big? I'll catch. For him, one is not even a problem. He doesn't need meat at all. Forget about blood in the meat. <laughs> you got the picture? Just a force. Your, this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will. That means he doesn't want you to suffer with the world. That's the will. See, the heart of God is, I don't want you to suffer with the world. And we have been learning this for the long time. Oh, suffer, 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 suffer for Jesus. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Why would I create light and the first thing I do is divide it? Alright, you create light and you divide the light. Because he doesn't want to do anything with darkness. 
are you not light? The first action. But we say, oh, you are a believer, now go into the world and shine. No, the first question is, make sure you are separated from evil. First, and now be a light. Because when the world looks at you, that nothing touches you, what affects them, they will run after you. You got the picture? And that's what the world has to see. That what happens? See, Goshen received great glory for Jesus, for God from the Egyptians because they saw what? Light. <laughs> they saw light? is <laughs> like the last answer is the correct answer. <laughs> like 15 years of life team. I've understood that. <laughs> What was Egyptians most, how did Egyptians fearful about the Lord of Egypt, Lord of Israel, when they saw how they treated Goshen? Because there was separation or no separation? The Bible says, thus he made a distinction. That's the word that is read in the Bible. Thus he made a distinction. Hail came on Egypt, did not come on Goshen. Light in Goshen, darkness in Egypt. Thus, he made a distinction. Or thus, he made a separation. You want the Gentiles saved? Receive the message of separation. Hallelujah. When they see the prosperity in your life, they will hunt you down. They will say, Hey, can you stand, start a YouTube channel? Can you please teach us how these techniques would do? No techniques, brother. I just do what I'm led to. This is called Jesus. Like George will tell me, I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. It all seems to be working out. You know? <laughs> like I'm like, George, how are you doing it? I don't know something like this. That's that's the Holy Spirit. You know, just doing stuff because you are like. And others are like, more money, more stuff, more stuff, and they are not able to, struggling. And we are like, just flowing into what is thing. You know, quails are hunting us down. We are not hunting the quails. <laughs> the world is hunting quails. And they, have you seen the YouTube videos where they try to hunt rabbits, deers? Man, these guys cannot kill a rabbit. <laughs> All this AK-47, telescopic, infrared, light, bike, no, no game. No game. Man, quails are hunting us down. We shut the door because too many getting into our house. <laughs> right? That's, that's, that's separation. That's called separation. And that's what we are called to. You agree? Do you believe? Okay, keep reading. First Thessalonians chapter 3. First Thessalonians chapter 4. We still finished each chapter. Remember, we're talking about separation? Okay. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, we finished sanctification. Okay? Then... By the way, the reference of that, the Holy Spirit instructions for the Gentile church is in Acts chapter 15, verses 28 to 29. Okay, very simple. Then, let's go to chapter 4, verse 9. But concerning brotherly brotherly love, you do not need that I should write to you, for you yourself are taught by God to love one another. See, the churches know how to love one another. How many of you know? Every church all over the world, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholics, 
Pentecostal, unbelieving believers, and all. Everybody knows to love the, each other, correct? I mean, to a large extent, there are fights and all that, but for most part, they love their, each other, correct? Nobody needs to teach, teach them. Who taught them? That is part of being born again. The moment you're born again, the first thing that shows up is love. You love God and you love people. Correct? When you cannot help it, you're like, somebody's going on the road, you're stopping and letting everybody go. You know, all the time. Like, man, please go. The traffic is blocked up. No, no, no. But too much. You know, it's like all this love. Extra love. Right? The lift is open, you're opening the door. Everybody's waiting, but you're still opening the door. Because like, too much love. Like, sometimes it's like too much love. You know, it's like... <laughs> Like somebody is walking from far distance, we are standing with the door open. The guy is running. He's like, man, man, you can go inside. No, 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 no. You have to come first. You know, <laughs> so, too much love. Everywhere there is like love exuding, right? Because we are believers. We just don't know what to do. Love. Huh? That's how it is. We are, we are born. Nobody has to tell us that. Right? It is love. So this is what the Thessalonians church. Okay, for bro- concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. But you yourself are taught by God to love one another. Beautiful. Beautiful. See, a lot of the messages in the church is love one another. Love one another. Useless message. They already know it. <laughs> like, you're wasting, you're wasting uh, audio time, MP3 time, <laughs> church time. They already know it. Teach them this. <laughs> you got it? Okay. And indeed you do so towards all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren. See, now he's telling something that they don't know. Get ready, get ready, get ready. We urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Prosperity. How many of the believers know that you need to increase more and more? We urge you to increase more and more. Be prosperous. Because that has to be urged. Because remember they have a mindset of tribulation. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, man, go prosper. Build houses, plant vineyards, enjoy life. Right? Because I've called you to this. You will desire for the days of the Son of Man. He told the Pharisees. He's not talking to the church. He says, the Pharisees, he says, the day is going to come. You're going to desire for one of the days of the Son of Man. What are the one of the days of the Son of Man? When the great persecution happens on the church, on the on Israel, and when the church is raptured, things will never be normal. There will be no normal day. At that time, they will wish, oh my goodness, those days when we could give our daughters in marriage, our children could go to elementary school, we could go to the shopping mall, we could sleep in our houses, we could enjoy life. Just the normal things of life you will desire. Like when this happened in all the kibbutz in the southern Israel. Beautiful. You see the Google Maps of these kibbutz? Beautiful, lush green. They cultivated their vineyards. They took care. But in one night, disappeared. And now they're like, man, I wish I could go back to one of those days of normal where I could open the door and bask in the morning sun. He says, you will desire for one of the days of the Son of Man. And he says, what are the days of the Son of Man? It's like the days of Noah. Like there were men eating and drinking, giving in marriage. He's not talking in a bad sense. The other day the Holy Spirit said, who told you that was bad? That is good. I desire that you will live in peace and be in health even as your soul prospers. Oh, we took that word and said, oh, eating and drinking. This is eating and drinking alcohol. No, he's not about eating and drinking food. (laughs) 
We always mix it up. Like, we don't, we never want to give the church a break. I could go to Chipotle. I could go and eat. I could, my daughters would get, when we were, when we were, our children are growing up and we used to talk about the rapture and still my children used to look at him and, Daddy, we want to get married. <laughs> I was preaching some of this in uh, in uh, 2012. Remember when the sign came in the sky about that uh, the woman with the 12 uh, stars with the moon? That was the actual sign that appeared in the sky because it was getting ready for the end time. And we praise that. You go back on the podcast. There is a message called the signs of the times. That's when the Pope resigned and the last Pope showed up because it was all rolling up into the end of times, which has exactly happened, right? But now the labor pains are becoming more close. Because that time when you start preaching, it's like, Joanna, yeah, I want to get married. <laughs> hey, by the way, one got married. Yeah. Huh? Josh, I want to get married. We were telling him, he got married, surely Jesus is coming soon. That was a sign to us. Jesus is definitely coming. Because Josh said, before the rapture, I want to get married. <laughs> So, you know what I mean? So, the, that's a picture. It's like men were giving in marriage. They're saying, oh, the people are just enjoying life and giving in marriage. No, 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 no. That's normal life that God intended you to have. You get the whole picture of your understanding? He said, you're going to desire from that day. When it's going to happen, that day. When, when, when tribulation comes upon you, you will desire for a normal day. Where you could go out, eat, come back, sleep in your own bed. Because you would not have any peace. Because you did not consider, you don't know the things that make for your shalom. Who is the thing that makes for your shalom? Jesus. Jesus. He is your shalom, brothers and sisters. He is your rest. He is your supply. He is the morning sun that falls on your face. He is the sleep that you get when you lie on your pillow. He is your shalom. Every waking day, the breath is ha. The name of Jesus. Ha. That's ha. That's the name of Jesus. Every ha in your breath is Jesus. That's normal. He's the life in your thing. And then he keeps him. But if you urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, and that you also aspire to lead a quiet life. See, Jesus is coming. So Paul is saying, do what? <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> so Jesus is coming. Pack your bags then? No. Jesus is coming. Keep living. Lead a quiet life. So totally contrary to what you have been learning. Lead a quiet life to mind your own business. <laughs> to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk properly to those who are outside. So when you walk around like with a chicken without a head <laughs> and outside in your society, they're like, what's going on there? Ah, rapture, man, rapture. <laughs> then 
the guy is panicking all over the place and uh, col- uh, uh, collecting food supplies for six months because he thinks the government is going to shut down and collecting arms on the bedroom. And what's happening? He's prepping his house, make, bolting his door, and uh, guy's gone crazy. He's gone crazy. George, you have friends like that? <laughs> or are you the friend? <laughs> that, no, no, he's not. It is like very positive. Okay, no, no, no. That you may walk properly. He's like, like when people look at you, people who are outside, they look at you and this guy is proper, okay? He's okay. He's normal. That's what he's saying. Paul is saying, when people look at you, they will see that you're a normal human being. He's marrying, he's going to food, he's not panicking and doing stupid things. Because Jesus is coming. He's so, look at how Jesus, he never read that Thessalonians in that light. He's like, when, just relax, chill, do your stuff, because I'm going to come and rescue you. He's like, don't worry, nobody's going home, everybody will get off this cruise. <laughs> That's exactly how it is. Like everybody's on their life jacket, picking up, relax, you drink your, you have your evening dinner. Nobody, will, the boat will not sink. That's why I hate cruises. <laughs> Do not say that. I'm trying to convince that girl to go on a cruise for a long time. She's been trying to get So, so do everybody's getting off. So Paul is saying, guys, just sit, relax, enjoy your meal. The Titanic is not sinking. You got the picture? You got the picture? The context is separation. Because he is not going to allow you to go out in haste. You see the picture? When the first Passover, they went out in haste. The second Passover, he will not allow you to go in haste. Because you are going to go cool. You are going to go cool. You are going to go cool. He is going to take you. You won't even know it happened. Quickly and quick, you won't even know Jotsna. Suddenly you'll be doing something. Jotsna, come up here! It's like, no, God, you don't even have time to worry. <laughs> Prasad will be like, thank God. <laughs> because she's worried about 100 things, I don't want the rapture to be there. <laughs> that is one box item you don't have to worry about. It is just going to happen. Both of you all are gone. No car keys, purse, nothing. You know? So, okay. So, 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 remember that context, right? It is verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, 10. Right? We just read 9, 10. Correct? Now we are reading verse 13. Just same context. He says, but I do not want you to be ignorant. Oh, now he's telling something very much. I don't want you to be ignorant. Ignorant about what? Obviously the church is ignorant. But he said, this is very important. I do not want you to be ignorant. About what? Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest we sorrow as others who don't have. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. That means you don't even have to worry about the people who have gone before you. He's saying, oh, this is so good news. I wish my, my parents were here when this is going to happen. Jesus, Paul said, relax. We covered it. They are in first class. They are already ahead of you. <laughs> Your economy, you're going to come follow. They're going, they'll go first, then you're going to follow. That's all he's saying. He's saying, don't worry. We're all there. You cannot see them, but they're in first class. Mm-hmm. But there's a curtain between both of us. All right? <laughs> they will exit first, then you'll follow. <laughs> 
But, but next time you go into a plane, you'll think rapture. <laughs> you know, that's how it is. They are there. They are first class. They will go first. That's the Bible says they will go first. Very clear. That means they are first class. Yes or no, Joseph? They'll, if they go first, they are first class. Yeah. So what is the difference between first class and second class? They use the same bathroom, the same plane, the same thing. Only one goes out first and the other follows. That's the only difference. They are more space. Yeah, that's true. So don't be ignorant. For, for this I tell you by the word of the Lord. He's saying, I'm telling you. This is not my idea, Paul is saying. I'm telling you because Jesus told me this. My goodness, you know, Jesus told Paul all this with the rapture. Some of the mysteries, some of the kingdom, God. See, none of the disciples knew all this stuff. They're like, man, Paul writes this crazy stuff in his episodes. We ourselves don't understand it. We are like, <laughs> like he writes a letter, we are spending like months together trying to understand it. You know? And then he writes something else. Then we are again trying to understand it. You say, man, crooked people, they, wicked people, they just make, we ourselves don't understand it, but it's very difficult to understand. Because every time they would read Paul's letters, they're like, man, these Gentiles have it good. We Jews are messed up. You know? And then they will try to correct Paul. Paul says, shut up. You know? You are not walking orderly. I have received from Jesus. This is what Jesus is. Then, okay, okay. Jesus said, then obviously we cannot do anything. No, that's how it was. Paul was bold because he heard from Jesus. The resurrected Jesus. That's why he said he was the disciple out, apostle out of season. Right? When he was not there when Jesus was mentoring them, but Jesus mentored him the same time. The Bible says Jesus mentored Paul the same amount of time that he mentored disciples. Go back and read Galatians chapter 1. Three and a half years. Wow. God doesn't, no partiality. He's not like, oh, he gets a zip file <laughs> of the ministry. <laughs> hey, I don't have time to go through all that. <laughs> go download this and study yourself. No, 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 no. I'm going to stay with you for three and a half years, just like I stayed with the dis- apostles. And you're going to be an apostle out of season, but still an apostle. Isn't that cool? See, God is so gentle. He doesn't rush everything. So beautiful. I do not want to be ignorant. He says, we who are alive and remain. Wow, that's your picture. Alive and very low bar to go. Alive and remain. Are you breathing and are you remaining? That's all. If you're breathing and you're remaining, you're going. Correct? That's it. Until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend. Yeah, that's a picture. No, he's not going to send an angel. He himself is going to descend with, from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God. You see the three voices? One, shout. Second, voice of an archangel. Third, trumpet of God. You see in Revelation, you see the same voices that show up at the rapture. He is going to... So he, you will hear it. Shout, voice of an angel, trumpet of God. These are for the church, not for the world. Say, for the church? For the church. The bride, this is for the bride, okay? Okay. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Priority seating, group one. That's how it is. They will board first. Very clear. There is no confusion. Then we who are alive and remain. remain. Low bar. 
we are low alive intervention shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. This is a, I remember I told you, I did not have time to go to Lazarus' story, but that's what you go and see. Jesus calls, he meets Mary first. Not in Judea. He meets in a place away from Bethany. In this place that is not mentioned. Because what is that place a picture of? Not in heaven, not on earth, in a place near earth. Mid-air. Right? It's a picture. He meets Martha and then Martha goes and tells Mary secretly, come. Look at the word, secretly. Why? The church is going to be called secretly. Who was in the house? She was sitting in the house. That means she was still alive and remaining. And she is called secretly the church. Remember Song of Solomon? He called me secretly. Come away. That's a picture. They meet him in the church. Okay, keep reading. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. This is how we will be with the Lord always. How? By a method called separation or caught up. This is the word harpazo. Caught up. Caught up. We are going to be caught up. And we are going to be thus. Thus we will be with the Lord. Means in this way, there is no other way we will be with the Lord. See, there is no other different way to be with the Lord. I want you to get this picture. Everybody is going to get caught up. The dead will be caught up. The alive will be caught up. Thus we'll be with the Lord. There is no other way to be, to be with the Lord. That's the only way you would be alive with the Lord. And I will close with this. Comfort therefore one another with these words. What words? The words of the rapture. The caught up words. Comfort each other. I would say comfort each other. Okay. So then, then uh, first Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'm going to rush through it, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. He said, I don't even need to write to you about these seasons, when that rapture is going to happen. For you know perfectly that the day of Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Not the Lord, the day of the Lord. See, it's not saying Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, because it will come suddenly. Okay. For, for you know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night, but when they say peace and safety, that means you are not there. You need, saw the word they? When they say peace and safety, you are not there. Say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as a labor pains on a pregnant one, and they shall not escape. What about you? You're gone. You're gone. You escaped. That's why the word they... So, when, so during the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, there is going to be a season called peace and safety. Yes or no? Yes. That's what Daniel says. He will make a treaty with many for one week. A time of peace and safety. And then suddenly in the middle, there is going to be sudden destruction. But suddenly the day, it is not you. What happened to you? Because you are not there. You escaped already. Keep reading. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. Exactly. That the day overtake you as a thief. You are sons of the light, sons of the day. We are not of the night, not of the darkness. But the day of the Lord does not come to us as a thief in the night. Why? Answer that question. Why does the day of the Lord does not come as a thief in the night? Because the day of the Lord is not for you. For you, what is it called? The day of Christ. 
the anointed one. So it's called day of Christ because you are caught up with him. That's your day. In that day, something happens. You do not even meet at the same place. They meet at Starbucks. We meet at Walmart. <laughs> totally different place. That's how it is. We meet in midair. The world meets Jesus on the Mount of Olives. Totally different coming. Do you got the picture? One is called caught up. One is called day of the Lord and coming. One is vengeance. One is marriage supper of the Lamb. You got the picture? See, two different things because there's a separation, brothers and sisters. He's not going to have called everybody for the same party. They separate tickets for both events. Okay, keep reading. You are sons of the light. Therefore, let's sleep. Okay. But let us, therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us... Let, let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. He's saying, put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. So, Jair, what does this mean, hope of salvation? Hope of being what? Saved. Saved from what? Wrath to come. There you go. That means you have to put on the helmet of the expectation to be raptured. Put on the helmet. Put your rapture helmet on. See, it sounds so duh. But God says that's your helmet. You have an expectation to be saved. Separated. You have an expectation to be separated. For And he tells you the reason. Verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. Whether we wake or seek, sleep, we should live together with him. And therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. And look at how the chapter ends. And may the God of peace himself... Correct. Look at how he wants to separate you. May the, look, this is how First Thessalonians ends. Because he's, he's not changed the subject. What is the subject? Separation. separation. How does he want to separate you? First your head, then your body, then your hands. No. How does he want to separate you? Complete package. He says, may the Lord of peace, because he's at peace with your spirit, he's at peace with your soul, and he's at peace with your body. God is not mad with you with your body. So he's not like, okay, your spirit is righteous, but your body really messed up, uh, Bobby. So you better, your body has to suffer. No, he's saying God of peace. That means God is at peace with your body. God is at peace with your spirit. And God is at peace with your soul. Your soul is like, a, I had I had emotions and I just denied Jesus and I messed up. And God is saying, oh, no. okay, uh, George, uh, spirit, body, come up, soul, stay there. <laughs> But that's exactly the theology that we have when it comes to the rapture. Your bo- spirit is good, so mm, okay. Body definitely no, 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 no. But God, Paul is saying no. May the God of peace sanctify you. How? Completely. Look at what he says. Now your whole body, soul, and your whole spirit, whole soul and body be preserved blameless at his coming that means when Jesus is going to come to rapture your body your body is going to be blameless 
That is why he can rapture you. Why will he take junk to heaven? Because it is perfect. He made you perfect. Your body is perfect in Christ Jesus. He who calls you is faithful, he will do it. See, the onus of making sure that is not yours. The onus is whose? His. He who is faithful. What is this? He who? He who calls you is faithful. He will do it, Bobby. He will do it. It's not your responsibility to make sure that you qualify for the rapture. It is his responsibility to make sure that no luggage is left behind. Everything is going up. Oh, do you forget that? No, everything, everything, everything. Body, soul, spirit, everybody getting, going together with Jesus. Got it? And then he says, I charge you by the Lord. My goodness, he, look at this. He's, it's such an important epistle. He says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be re- read to all the, what brethren? Holy. <laughs> Did you know why he called the holy brethren? Every brethren is separated. Let them know the blessing of separation. I urge you, read this epistle to every church in the body of Jesus Christ. The grace of the Lord be with you always. And I'll close with this one final verse. I don't have time to talk about Second Thessalonians, but Second Thessalonians is very clear. And I'm going to read Second Thessalonians and address the question of the Antichrist, that the Antichrist will only be revealed after the church is raptured. I want you to get this verse very clearly. It is very clear. And you'll see this in Revelation. It will match up. And maybe we'll take another session and show you some patterns of the rapture in Revelation and everything. It's so beautiful. It, it shows. And Revelation, I will show you how easy it is to read it. It, it. it reaffirms the fact that you will not go through the wrath of the beast. He reaffirms the fact that you will not go through the wrath of man. He reaffirms the, he reaffirms. God calls John up and shows him exactly. He said to the Daniel, the books are sealed, the words are sealed till the time of the end. At the time of the end, God calls, Jesus calls John up and shows him exactly what was not revealed to Daniel. Is that good? Why? So that he'll be more afraid or less afraid? Less afraid. He said, man, I'm telling you, what he said on the earth is true. I went and checked it out. Because he wants you to have such solid comfort and consolation about the fact that you will not go through the tribulation. Hallelujah. I'm like, why Lord are you teaching this? Because the word, you're going to get tempted during this time. And I don't want you to partake of it. Do you understand how important it is for Jesus? So 2 Thessalonians, so he writes this beautiful letter of 1 Thessalonians. The church is really happy. But suddenly, they are seeing all this persecution around in the world. They are like, man, guess what? What Paul said has happened. That secret rapture has happened. See, they felt the rapture had happened. See, because the, the church was taught that the rapture is secret. Which is correct or not? Correct. So when world looks normal and there is still persecution, they thought what happened? Rapture happened. So Paul writes a second letter to the same church. He says, somebody is messing up with you. I am telling you that the rapture has not happened. See, see, that church did not have a problem with the fact that the rapture was secret. Because they knew the rapture was secret. That is why they said, see, the rapture has happened. Because see, we are left behind. 
Because remember, there was not so much communication between all the believers at that point of time. There was no internet, there's no telephones. They don't know that Peter is there in Jerusalem or not. It takes months to know whether the rapture has happened or not. Correct? It's not like right now. Right now you'll know right away the rapture has happened. They don't know. They thought rapture has happened because they are still facing tribulation. And persecution, they say, man, God is mad with us. That means we are now suffering because Paul told us in the first letter that we are not going to go through all this. So that the fact that we are going through it means what? Rapture has happened. We are left behind and we are going through this. So there's a lot of teaching right now. Seals have opened. Trumpets are opened. Everything is opened. Hey, and you are still here. Get out of the washing machine. You're getting spun around for all kinds of things. No, it's not junk. It is junk. That's because you are do not sanctified by your word, by your word, by the truth. You got the picture? You need to understand that. So Paul writes a second letter to comfort the fact, not that the rapture is going to happen, the fact that you did not miss it. So he says, what should happen before the rapture? So this is what he says. He says, my brethren, Concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. There are two things. The coming of Jesus Christ for the church and our gathering to him. Not he's coming for us. Our gathering for him. You got the picture? When Jesus comes on the earth, is the earth being gathered to him? No. He's only going to gather to divide them. Sheep and goats. He's going to judge them. But our gathering is in the skies. Did we just mention? We showed you all the patterns that we are gathered, we are gathered, we are gathered, we are gathered. You agree? So we are gathering towards him that you should not be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word, by letter or as if by a string. Like somebody forged a letter from Paul <laughs> and write to them that, sorry guys, we are all gone, but you all are hanging around here. The Antichrist is here on the earth and y'all, it's all up to you now. You know? And signed... A grace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ, signed Paul. He said, don't receive that letter. As though the day of Christ has come. See, he doesn't say the day of the Lord. He says the day of Christ. Because the day of Christ is, this, is the appearing of Jesus Christ in the, in the clouds for you. Okay. Let no one deceive you by any means. How, how, how affirmative is that instruction? Let no one no one, doesn't matter which preacher, which evangelist, which credibility. Let no one deceive you. Deceive you about what? That day will not come. That means our gathering to him in the rapture will not come unless the dip, that day, that means the day of the day of the Lord, that day, that sorry, unless that, let, let no one deceive you by any means for, you remember that if you read in the Bible it says for that day will not come is in italics it's not there, so you would read it like this let no one deceive you for any means for unless the departure comes first, how does it read in your Bible falling, falling away do you know what the original Greek says is the word apostasia. The apostasia in context means you depart a city. You departed, I apostasia Dallas to go to Denver. 
I apostasia US. So he's thinking, I departed until the departure happens first. Who is departing from the earth? The church. The church. Do you want to know where the word is? I want you to write it down because you will need this for your reference and you can read it, okay? Let's read this version of the Bible. The early Bibles had it. Then they changed it. They messed it up. And they're trying to make the church go through the Antichrist, which is not correct. The Coverdale Bible of 1535. And I'm going to read it in that original old English. Let Noman deceive you by any means. For the Lord cometh not, except the depart time come first. The departure comes first. And the man of sin be opened. Even the son of perdition. This is like Latin word. He says until the departure happens first and the man of sin is revealed. That means first the departure, then the revelation of the man of sin. You got the picture? Unless, how will you? See, George just taught us, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. We are not going to turn our eyes on the Antichrist. We have nothing to do with him. So why should we turn our eyes? He's a God said, no, I'm not going to show you the Antichrist. I'm going to reveal him. First departure. Then, in fact, you know the Bible says in the Ark of, the Ark of Noah, there was no windows on the side. There was only windows on the top. Why? He doesn't want to see the destruction on the earth. Why would he want the church to see the destruction? Ah, uh, what's going to happen now? Hamas, send one rocket. Now, 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 rocket. Now, now, this rocket. Now, this is going to happen. This was, this was. Why? Why are you meditating on that? Milu is like, ah, you're telling this and you're doing the same thing. <laughs> I'm studying privacy, prophecy, Milu. I'm studying prophecy. <laughs> what I'm saying is we don't have to be overly possessed, obsessed about the man of sin. Because until the departure happens... Until the departure happens first. Okay, that is one verse. Which, which Bible was that? Coverdale Bible of 1535. The Tyndale Bible of 1526. I'm going to read it. Let no ma deceive you by any means. For the Lord cometh not, except there come a departine first. There, there comes a departine first. And the sinful man be opened, is son of perdition. Then the literal standard version. Let no one deceive you by, by any way. Because if the departure may not come first, the man of lawlessness may not be revealed. Literal translation. It is until the departure happens, the man of sin will not be revealed. Then you say, Arnold, how did he say he was an Assyrian? That's written in the prophecy. Do I know who the Assyrian is? I don't know. Uh, John, do you want to wait till you find out? <laughs> no. Uh, anybody else want to wait till you? No. We are going. You can wait to find out. We don't, nobody is going to wait. By the way, even if you want to wait, you cannot wait. Because you, you are alive and remain. Okay? Keep reading. Then he says, do, not, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you all these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so unless he is taken out of the way. That is the Holy Spirit in the church. 
It's because the Holy Spirit in the church restrains the revealing of the Antichrist. And then, underline the word then, then the lawless one will be revealed when the Lord will consume with the breast of his, breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And then you can read the rest. And I'm going to uh, close here. And there's a lot of passages and everything else that we'll talk about. The notes are going to be there on the website. And you can go down and download it and maybe do your own study and understand it yourself. But I want you to understand this doctrine. Why is this doctrine very important? This doctrine is very important because we are living in the times when this is getting ready to happen. AD 32 is happening here. Seven years is going to happen before that. We are very close. Something is happening. And exactly on time, Israel and Hamas and all that. In Psalms chapter 83, the Bible says, the nations, they were in tumult. The tumult word is Hamas. Same word. Everything is matching. Everything. The nations, the temp. Ten nations that are against Israel is all lining up. It's all happening. And we are getting ready. But that's when the rapture is going to happen. We are going to be raptured out. And Jesus is going to come finally to reveal himself for Israel. But Israel is going to only receive Jesus because when he fights for them. So they are going through the tough time. That's called Jacob's seventh, seven years of tribulation. Remember, Laban told him, guys... You cannot, I cannot release Rachel to you until you work seven more years. He felt that it was time for him to get Rachel. But Laban said seven more years. So the next seven years, did he do it in joy or pain? Pain. So that's what is happening. Got the picture? Let's just pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Just praise you, Father. Just just pray in tongues for a little time. Ure mashutono karashi tenikere mashutono karasi kena mashutono karasi. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Master. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, marishi tenikere mashutono karasi tenikere mashutono Lord, even as we see the times rolling and your coming expediting and the curtains being parted and we can see through the lattice your face waiting to say to you at the beckoning of your father, come, my fair one, come away. Lo, the winter is past and the the flowers are on the earth and the voice of the turtle dove is heard on the earth. Come, my fair away, come. The Lord, we say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. But Lord, you also said in the time of the latter rain, ask for the latter rain. Father, we ask for the latter rain right now, O Master. Oh, we ask for the latter rain. The Lord says, because you will ask in the season for things, you're getting ready to ask for things that you would otherwise never receive. For the Egyptians are going to hand you over the silver and their gold and you shall not leave empty handed. And the Lord says, you will get what you ask. Therefore, ask for the rain. 
ask for your increase, ask for the harvest, ask for your nations, ask and I will give it to you, says the Lord. For I desire declarations that I can harvest into crops in these days. For look, behold, the fields are white unto harvest. Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers into your field. For your coming is near. And Israel, we pray for Israel, O Lord, that the eyes of their understanding be opened to see Yeshua Mashiach as the one who offers them protection and provides them wings. You said to Israel, how I wish I would carry you on eagle's wings and bring you to your inheritance. Oh, the wings that Israel so needs. Lord, I pray for wings during the season. I just want you to lift up your hands in supplication for Israel and declare wings for Israel. Wings for Israel. The wings of a hen, mother hen for Israel. Right now. Supernatural protection for Israel. That their eyes will be opened to see Yahweh. The fig tree will start bearing the green figs and available. The first figs are going to show up, O Lord Jesus. And the remnant will be bold. The Bible says, Lord, you said in Daniel, the wise shall understand and instruct many. Lord, I pray that will be a, 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 a remnant of Jews who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who will go out into the length and breadth of the diaspora and in Israel and preach Yeshua Mashiach. And they will see signs and visions and dreams and supernatural power of wings during the season. Hallelujah. That they will know that the horses and the chariots of Israel cannot save them. But some who trust in the name of the Lord shall be saved. That USA is not their salvation. The nations are not their help. But the name of the Lord is their strong tower. And the righteous run to it and they will be safe. Oh, we pray for Israel. Bless them, O Master. Your word says you will bless those who bless Israel. O Father, the church of Jesus Christ on the earth. And we have authority on the earth. We bless Israel. We bless Israel with the name of Yahweh right now. With the name of Yeshua, that they are protected, they are, that they are kept. Lord, give them a season of rest, that the gospel shall go forth as a wildfire in the land. We ask for it. Lord, you listened to Lot and spared Zohar. He said, because of your word, I will spare Zohar. How much more, O oh Lord, when your church prays for Israel, your nation? Spare Israel. Protect Israel. Rescue Israel. And bless Israel. And Father, let the church of Jesus Christ, this message of separation go far and wide. Just as Paul, you said, I urge this epistle to be preached in every church. 
that during this time they will have a supernatural revelation of the separation that God you have for them as an inheritance. Oh, come Lord Jesus. Take us on the high mountains of Israel and let us meet you in the skies and we long for you. And your word says, he who has this hope purifies himself. Oh, Father, we thank you and we praise you for this revealing of your word. We bless you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the Lord tells you that because you have valued this word, you will do great exploits during this season. I will show up strong where this word of separation is preached, says the Lord. For I will do so because it is to my name and my glory. I will do it. We worship you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.